sounds like the kill box in the berg is working, and it's already all closed up around there. Uh, excuse me, Billy. Hey! Hey, get them dogs off of those things! I don't want any of them getting bit! Now, I don't know if dogs will come back if they get killed, and I don't want to find out. Just get them away from there. They've done their job. Sorry about that, Billy. Anyway, word is some damn kids trying to make a mummy movie got cleaned out by a group of deserters from the guard. They're on their way to hunker down in the mansion, and they probably got the right idea. It's getting bad enough now that making our way toward that new indoor mall thing might not be worth it. We're out of film now, Chief, and this is the last tape. I'm sending back to the station with the footage and these tape reels. This one is the last of what I got. Where do you think you're heading now, Chief? We're gonna meet up at the evac center north of here since this farmhouse is cleared out. That was from our sister station, WGON, in Philadelphia. I have no idea why it's flying over this part of the state when they went dark earlier this morning. Listen, Billy, it's all going dark. I'm gonna try my luck on... Hang on a second, Billy. Hey! Hey, what the hell is Matt doing there? Wait a sec... Oh, God damn it. Matt, knock it off. I don't care how pretty that thing looks. Is she dead? I don't care if she's naked. Can't you see the toe tag? Oh, my God. Okay, listen. Vince, Nick, go over. Drag him off of her. Get rid of her. Shoot her, throw her in the fire. Drag Matt off of her and... Cuff him and put him in the wagon. Yeah, I'm gonna arrest him. Desecrating a corpse. Hey, it might be dead. We might be burning them. But they still deserve better treatment than that. Unbelievable. It's bad enough we gotta deal with looters here, but now we gotta deal with preverts as well. Sorry about that, Billy. Anyway, hey, listen... I'm going to try my luck on a family-owned patch of land out on Plum Island. Now, we can scoop your family up if you want to come. Hang on! I'm running this old last tape out. I may uh, try for an old family cabin in the hills in Washington County once I... Suit yourself, Billy. I just hope to see you on the other side of this. My daughter is being flown to Florida to work with the military to try another way to resolve this. I got a shortwave in the cabin, and we got a generator. I sent my wife there already with my brother and his family. It's going to be tight, but we can defend the place using some of the traps the loggers up in the Bedford area thought up. Sure hope of people in them Washington bunkers you say are out there get this fixed. That damn Plum Island has had a feud going on that is dumber than the Hatfields and McCoys in about as long. I can't take too much more of them backward pot liquors. My Sarah took some risks to give me a way to talk to her. She has a great team and a unit of good soldiers defending them in that bunker. They should have something worked out on dealing with... Dead March and hospitals recently has concluded that the unburied dead are coming back to life. Taking a look at the victims. Do not try to show the bodies. Carried to the street and burned. 
They must be burned immediately. Soak them with gasoline and burn them. Everyone must die. If you are bitten, you have just become one of them that much sexually explicit content and more irony than is allowed for single episodes. In the last several years, distributors of obscenity have expanded into new areas, employing new technologies and reaching new audiences. Neither our constitution, our courts, our people, nor our respect for common decency and human suffering will allow this trafficking in obscene material. Cinema PsyOps which exploits women and men alike to continue. Sharing filth-laden desires on mic to warp the brains of listeners until they are all demented deviants. Current federal laws are being violated, and thus I am committed to redoubling the federal effort to ensure that those criminal elements who are trafficking in obscenity are pursued with a vengeance and prosecuted to the hill. The fact that society is becoming much more open now, uh, less repressed, and I think there's less need for... Cinema PsyOps. Without dignity, they shout into the void in a vain attempt to be loved. Living in this culture now where there's just icebergs of filth floating through every house on Wi-Fi, it's inconceivable what it must be like to be a young adolescent now with this kind of access to... Cinema PsyOps. It must be dizzying and exciting, but corrupting in a way that we can't even think about. A pirate ship with a tattered flag, sailing across seas of questionable movies while firing cannons of disdain. Cinema PsyOps. Long may she sail. Hello and welcome to the last episode of the Romero Full Franchise Fest and Cinema PsyOps. Sitting across from me in the studio, no less than 20 minutes after we recorded the last episode, is Matt. Ah, we made it. (laughs) We powered through the diarrhea of the dead. How dare you? And now we're on the sluice rival of the dead. Yeah, that's about right, though. (laughs) Oh, this is bad. Oh, no. Uh, so I actually got some feedback from our buddy Ryan, the fella who has helped me do the radio play stuff, talking about basically what happens and what has to do with in between like Night of the Living Dead and all the other movies, like the things that ties it together, those little radio dramas. Yeah. He was listening to our Night of the Living Dead 90 episode, and there's a few things that I got a little bit wrong on the information for the copyright mess up that he wanted to correct me on, basically just so I'm not giving out incorrect information, and I totally am down with this. 
Yeah. Okay, so The Night of Anubis was the working title, and that ended up on the working print. And as he had mentioned, that's actually an extra in the Criterion 4K. You can see the work print of that as title for Night of Anubis. He says it's an interesting version of the release and to check it out. The title that Image 10 was originally going to release it by, from what he says, is Night of the Flesh Eaters. But at some point, the producers of the 1964 film, The Flesh Eaters, had threatened to sue for copyright infringement because of the closeness of the name. So then that change was made to change it to Night of the Living Dead. What he had said, too, is that if he recalls correctly, it was the Walter Reed group or organization that I had mentioned that they decided to change the title without any of the input from Image 10. And Romero and company shrugged their shoulders like Night of the Living Dead, Night of the Flesh Eaters, whatever. They really didn't think of it as an issue. And it was the Walter Reed organization that they were the only distributor that was going to pick it up. So that's the reason why they were kind of like, okay, whatever, at least you're releasing it uncut, change the title, who cares? Yeah. Not a big deal. And he mentions that it wasn't just Columbia, but also AIP were going to release it, but they wanted to cut some things out and they just didn't want to compromise on that. And so they had no idea the copyright notice had inadvertently been left off whenever that happened, which I think I had mentioned that that was the Walter Reed organization. It was their fault that that happened. Yeah. And I guess even they didn't know from what he was saying. And that's what caused it for this, unfortunately, this history to happen. And he says that it's sadly ironic considering that Night of the Living Dead's copyright fiasco from the Flesh Eaters and Night of the Flesh Eaters that caused all of this also caused copyright issues for its own movie <laughs> just based on that. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty interesting. That so is I just, cool. I wanted to make sure that I corrected that. And if I mucked up all of those statements, Ryan, um, I guess record whatever you want to add yeah, in yeah. And, and I'll play it on the show and you can correct me all day if I'm incorrect. I'm totally fine with that because if anybody knows me, they know I want to put out the most whole and accurate information ever that I possibly can. You do like to put it out on the hole. I also like to put it in the hole. Yes. I haven't seen Survival or Diary previously of doing this uh, show in over why well, 12 years for sure. Yeah. I watched Diary when it came out and then I watched Survival when it came out. And I think Survival is like two years later maybe. I think so, yeah. Maybe a year later. Yeah. I, I can't really remember but like I hadn't watched either of them since their initial release and I remembered strongly hating both of them. I'm just bummed out and disappointed in Diary Yes, I was playing it up for that episode because it was kind of fun. Yeah. That's just how it is. You know. Yeah. Just because. Just because. Yeah. So. Just for the LOLs. <laughs> I did it all for the nookie. Yeah. <laughs> did it all for the lols. I did it all for the new metal references that no one cares about except for Duncan McLeish, <laughs> who I don't even know if he listens to this show, but if he does, your name got dropped so hard it dented my table. <laughs> uh, so why, Matt, are we doing this to ourselves? Why are we recording two shows back to back, unlike Beetlejuice, who will not do two shows a night? Because uh, uh, I, I have a vacation coming up, so I'm not going to be around. You're going to be out of town and when you come back that Sunday it'll be after a long road trip and you'll be fucking useless. Uh, Pretty much. Yeah, so if we were trying to record Survival of the Dead then, or Diary of the Dead if we recorded them out of order and I, released them separately. I probably would just be asleep on your table. <laughs> right, and... I almost want to be right now. Right, and because of the equipment problems that we've been having, I'm using this opportunity to tear down the rack yes. and try and patch up the compressor that is bad and causing issues, which I'm sure folks have heard in the outtakes where we've had to punch the mic to get the yeah. to get the signal to come back through or, or yell into it or whatever. 
And I finally, being the genius that I am, figured out that if I put your voice on that mic, usually your voice is powerful enough to push that signal through. Yeah, I can get by any compressor. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that it's your voice that has destroyed every compressor I put in this studio. Probably, yeah. Because digital compressors cannot contain the power of your voice. No, the power of my voice is, 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 is quite awesome. Yeah. So my wife's going on this vacation without me. Yes. Like, there's a group of friends that are all going. Yes, you went last year. Yeah, I did go last yes. year. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not going this time around. And um, so Bev is like, well, how am I going to fend for myself against Matt? She, uh, she did ask me that. I don't really know what that means, man. I, uh, not like anything weird. I don't even make fun of Bev that often. Yeah, but when you're picking on her or when uh, she wants to get at you two or uh, anything uh, like that, okay, yeah. she doesn't know how to do that. She usually yeah. relies on me for that because I know all your soft spots. Yeah. I know where to poke that bear. Dude, uh, uh, anybody who looks at me can see my soft spots, okay? <laughs> they ain't that hard. It starts at your head. Yeah, and, and keeps, your toes. It keeps going all the way down to my toes. Right. No, I'm talking like your vulnerabilities emotionally. She wants. Oh, a, yeah. She wants a shutdown thing to stay. She, oh, really? Yeah. She wants a shutdown thing to say. Yeah. So I gave her the one thing I know that will make you pause. Oh yeah. At least even briefly for a second. Okay. I told her to mention food play. Oh. oh. <laughs> oh no. And I told her I was like I was like and if it doesn't work oh. at first get descriptive with it. I'm like learn what food play food is play? and, and then start telling him about it. Yeah, that's great because it's not even an insult against me. It just makes me go, oh, it just stops me in my tracks because my I have... Your imagination kicks I in. I have a crazy, crazy active imagination. Uh-huh. So when someone says something, I see it. Because, yeah, oh, God, all she's got to do is mention something, anything. Yeah. Oh. And what would be, like, optimum if she tries to, like, pretend like we do food play? That's what I was just describe thinking. it like, to you? It's like, it's like, she goes, Matt, if you keep giving me shit, I'm going to tell you about the time Court and I bought chocolate sauce into the bedroom and whoppers and i'll let you know what we did with them i'll let or you chocolate I'll whoppers let, i'll let you know and i'll let you imagine what we did with the whoppers and i'll be like no because anything you do is bad unless it was you were just eating them then that's fine but i don't think that's what you're saying what about the pineapple rings that were pre-cut that were right out of the can oh i, I don't know what are we doing with that what are you even do no i don't no you oh. slip them over uh, oh and yeah, then they yeah, get munched off oh. or you just slip them around yeah and so then they get munched should off. Should you be eating the pineapple, though? Because then it will make the... How do I eat him off my own dick? <laughs> Clip. <laughs> How is that possible? I, I, well... What I, were you picturing? I, well, I thought maybe, I don't know, you, uh, you put them somewhere on Bev's body and eat them off of her. I mean, that's a possibility. Yeah, and then, you know, that's what I was saying. I wasn't, I wasn't saying you should eat pineapple off your own dick. Clip. <laughs> <laughs> We're punchy as shit. Oh fuck yeah! This is gonna be this is gonna be one of those episodes that people I think will talk about. And maybe this will be one of those that's like we're gonna hate and everyone else is gonna fucking love. I believe these two. It'll be like when we start talking about other movies that we both strongly had a dislike for. Yeah, it's gonna be just one of those things that it's just gonna hit and everybody will love it. But we'll be like, <laughs> oh, this was painful. Because <laughs> oh, well, I I felt that way about Diary, where I'm like, I can't. I just I was doing anything to stop talking about Diary. Yeah. And then you take that aspect of it and uh-huh. add it on top of we're doing our second show in the same night. Yeah. And it's not early. It's not like we're talking about this at like 3 p.m. in the afternoon. All no. right. This is very, we're, it's, we're it's old. about, it's, it's almost 1030 at night. So, <laughs> I mean. And we're old men. That's we, late. Yeah. Yeah. We're not young or nothing. <laughs> where it's like 1030, man. You have to wait another 30 minutes for it to even go to the bar. No, fuck you. By 11, I'm usually leaving the bar. All right. And I'm going home. And I'm 
either going to go play video games or we're going to fall in the front yard asleep again. <laughs> well, I'm using my insomnia to its actual advantage. The, yeah, thing there you that, go. the thing that I normally do to circumvent, or in the immortal words of Job, circumvent my insomnia, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to do until after I drop your ass off at home when we're done with this. And, uh, same here. But I'm very... I'm actually same here because I got it bad too. I have fucking... I have insomnia. I can fucking... Here's my insomnia is fucking weird though. My insomnia, and I, I believe I get this from my mother because this happened a lot to my mom. You can go to sleep just fine, usually. Uh-huh. And then at about one or two in the morning, you wake up and that's it. You're you're done sleeping. There's no going right back to bed. It was like that for me when I was a kid, but when I turned into a teenager, something happened with puberty that I just couldn't sleep. I oh, would go, Jesus. I would go weeks. That's where, uh, where I, think, I would start spontaneously falling asleep because I couldn't, I couldn't just not be asleep. That's definite insomnia. I don't think yeah. I have insomnia as much as I have anxiety really badly because now as I've gotten yeah, psycholo- older. Psychology does trigger it, but I had something weird that worked with the psychology for me for triggering it that thankfully has gone away. Yeah, but I mean, for you, it's even worse. For you, it's like strict insomnia because if you had it when you were a kid, that's that's yeah. pretty bad. See, yeah. I was fine all the way until like I grew up, uh, quote unquote, grew up. Air when the weight there. of the world hit your shoulders, yes. you couldn't now sleep. Now when I have responsibilities and have to fear for the future and all this horse shit. <laughs> now it, 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 a in, 401k, a yeah, Roth IRA. The, everything. And then here's the point. HSA and NSA. Uh-huh. CIA. <laughs> CIA and FBI. FBI. ATF. Uh, but, but, but fuck. I mean, it's fuck. And then it's like at 1230 on a Saturday. I'm not thinking about any of this shit. My, you know, I'm not thinking about anything and then of course i don't start thinking about my life or my future or where i want to go with my life from here on out i don't think about that until my head right hits the pillow and then all of a sudden all those thoughts are like hey let's think about that now and guess what you can't do when you're thinking about that all the fuck to sleep that's anxiety yeah, yeah exactly. totally anxiety yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. My, we don't sound like two guys that suffer for horrendous anxiety in any way shape or form not on this all. show not even not at all we sound completely healthy on yeah. this show. Yeah. Yeah. So it might shock some of you guys yeah. that, that Court and I are not exactly quote unquote healthy. Okay. <laughs> Mentally. Yeah. yeah. And I know that surprises some of you because we seem like such rocks on this show, but... <laughs> right, like I never lose my temper for no reason at all and just go off the handle for yeah. like five seconds yeah, before I, I can tame it back and realize that I'm losing my shit. Yeah, but I've never made self-realizations that I'm never going to be anything in life. I mean, I've never had that happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> Neither one of us has I, actually thought like maybe the person that's with us is just out of convenience and they don't actually love us because who could really love us? I, I've never no one's ever thought that. I've never thought that in my life. Never, never. I, I know oh God. I'm, I'm super awesome. Oh, boy. Okay, we're going to have to take a break here. I'm going to mute Matt's microphone. Cry. Okay, and I'm going to have to try and calm him down as I play the Legion you Patreon ad. We're going to have some more music befitting of Survival of the Dead, and when we come back, hopefully Matt will get his shit back together. This will keep you quiet. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you. You call me cutting a new show. I'm Bo Ransdell, and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. I said quiet! My fellow podcasters and I work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting, but that comes at a cost. What's that like to live deliciously? Not that, but also, yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs, costs for good microphones and software for editing, all the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com, 
or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really. You can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash Legion Podcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon, and for five dollars, you can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash Legion Podcasts. We appreciate it, and thank you for listening. Now, back to the cutting room. bit of uh, on the nose there and i know i've used that song before in the past for anything having to do with like unrequited love or crazy love or something like that but never before have i used it to try and reference all of the shots that are to the head in this film yeah right that is the one good thing about this film (laughs) definitely there's some decent head shots and some cool ideas that they have with gunshots to the head yes and the marksmanship stuff is a lot more on because these are experienced people that are surviving an apocalypse yes but you know what will not help you survive the apocalypse matt what's that this movie's trailer oh that's a shot to the head last time anyone counted 53 million people were dying every year 150,000 every day 107 every minute they become an us versus them world all we were looking for was a place where there was no them lousy times make lousy people all the wrong people are dying Silent needs to be rid of them. We like it here. We think the best way of seeing this through is here. We don't want no place. We want some place. Like where? Like an island. It's an island off the coast of Delaware. Come on over. <laughs> Only families ever lived on this island were yours and mine. No strangers. What are you going to do with them? They're Muldoons. It's up to me to save them. You can't save a person who's already dead. Somebody's going to find a cure for this. A beautiful place to live. And to die. You give me some more bullets for this gun.
So editing down trailers is no longer a thing I'm going to do. Yeah, you're just going to play them out? <laughs> yeah, you guys are just going to have to suffer like everybody else because all the other podcasts don't bother to trim down the trailers. Yeah, right? Why are we doing it? Because <laughs> I'm obsessive compulsive and I have to. Yeah, well, that's true. Uh, that's true, too. <laughs> all right, so Survival of the Dead because I have to do the fucking notes. <laughs> and if I have to do the notes, well, it opens up, opens up with dialogue, so fuck it. That's our first clip. <laughs> Which you've already heard in the trailer. Yeah, pretty much. Last time anyone counted, 53 million people were dying every year. 150,000 every day, 107 every minute. And that was in normal times. Now every one of those dead people gets up and kills another person. And every one of those gets up and kills. On top of that, suicide, murder, chaos, and us, the guard. We added more than our fair share to the body count, but it didn't do any good. The dead were coming back to life. We should have been afraid of them, but... We weren't. They were easy enough to kill, except when they were your buddies. It's time. You sent us to that hellhole. You got DJ killed, and now he's got to get killed again. You fucked up, Lou. You can't make it right, but you can do the right thing. I can't. Don't. Don't. So there. This sucks. Never sign up for this shit. We're better off on our own. What the hell's going on? Down. We went AWOL right around the same time the rest of the world did. We became stick-up guys, stopping people on the road. Hi there. Taking whatever they had. Is it nice to see you guys? Held up this bunch of kids in a Winnebago shooting a documentary about themselves. See the camera? Just making a movie? Not so. Fucking movie went out on the net. Millions of hits. Where'd you get all the stuff? I became notorious. Could have got an agent. I turned that off, son. Made a fortune if there's anybody left to care. Turn it the fuck off. It had become an us-versus-them world. Now. All we were looking for was a place where there was no them. It was at this moment that I realized that there was going to be more voiceover in this film, and therefore it needed to be a motif that I would return. I'm going to talk as deadpan and bad as Sarge, a.k.a. Brubaker, would do. I realized that Court decided to not do the cupping of the microphone anymore. That's because his voice doesn't sound like hers, because she's cupping the mic, whereas he's just talking deadpan into a mic. Now we're all just talking deadpan. Now we're just both monologuing this fucking episode. (laughs) I don't even know what's going to happen next. (laughs) But boy, was I going to not be surprised. Because it was shit. Wow. <laughs> okay, the voiceover shit. <laughs> yeah. The voiceover shit, there's no purpose for it. And the worst part is they just keep showing stuff that he's already describing on screen. Yeah. That's the worst kind of voiceover. I, I will freely admit that. But again, there's a kernel of a movie that could be pulled out of this by someone who clearly gave a fuck at one point. But this also feels that Romero gives even less fucks when he made this. Yes. Well, now we cut ourselves to a quaint little island town. Wait, why are we cutting? ourselves We're, we cut uh we cut to a quaint we find ourselves cut to a quaint little island town okay so the film cuts to a quaint yes. little island town okay. yes uh we see a z get shot right in the head and well you know what fuck it that leads to our next clip jesus christ well that's another one we don't have to worry about amen i'd like it if just saying amen could put an end to all of this i'd like it too captain i would are y'all with me then all right yeah. captain damn right i'm asking are all of you with me? You're being too strict, just as you've always been. Being strict is a father's burden. More like a daughter's burden, if you ask me. What if I die? To be strict enough to gun one of your own? What if you die? Don't get your hopes up. No, I mean it. What if you die and get up and walk? Would any of us be strict enough to gun you down? You won't have to. I'll shoot myself. You might change your view of things. Dying don't change a person's views. All a dead man can do is remember what he used to be and keep on trying to be the same. On to the next. 
We weren't there in the beginning. We heard about what happened afterwards. This old coot, Patrick O'Flynn, decided that the living would be better off if the dead stayed dead. Put a posse together and went around the island trying to clean things up. Not everybody was on his side. Let's go. Again, we just saw what was happening, and now they have Sarge come back and do more voiceover to tell us the thing that we just saw. Of course. Like, it's literally like when uh, the gang makes Lethal Weapon sequels in um, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. There's like a sequence where Max, like, I don't ever know what's going on in a film, so we need to explain it. So he constantly goes through and keeps telling everybody everything that's happening and trying to bring them <laughs> up on the plot. That's what these voiceovers feel like. <laughs> well, uh, we see a uh, man is listening to the radio and his wife asks uh, if they're all settled upstairs. Uh, he says yes, and he hasn't heard anything. And then O'Flynn breaks in with his posse. Um, we find out that the man's daughter fell off her bike, and when her brother went to try to help her, he was hit by a car. The wife tries to stop uh, O'Flynn from going up the stairs and points a gun at him. The posse then kills her. They give a gun to the husband, and he has to finish her off, and then he breaks down, has his own little paperclips moment. I think you had me pull that. Yeah. Who in the fuck took my paperclips? I mean, that's powerful stuff right there. I mean, he's clearly a broken man having to put his own wife's zombie down. Yeah, and it, obviously his children are zombies, so pretty much he knows his family's lost, so. Right, and he's at least rational enough to realize that the dead are fucking dead. Yeah, right. I mean, otherwise, what's wrong with you? They're fucking dead, and you want to teach them tricks? Yeah. <laughs> All right, thanks, Rhodes. So anyway. <laughs> Choke on them. Choke on them. Uh, upstairs, they find the Z-Kids, and as O'Flynn has trouble. <laughs> the Z-Kids Z sounds, kid. sounds like a fucking boy band just waiting to happen but they're like the worst of the, they've been kicked out of all the other boy bands I don't know so they're the Z kids Z kids sounds like an electronical duo who's like you know trying to do rave music <laughs> they're like a they're like a less talented version of 21 Pilots. Exactly. Yes, there you go. <laughs> They're like, if 21 Pilots uh, had actually just fully given up. <laughs> if there's like a pilot and a half left, that's what the Z-Kids that, That's what. That's what they are. Uh, they're the uh, Danny DeVito out of the twins. You know, just everything that's left over. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, O'Flynn has trouble at first, and when he regains himself and is about to shoot them, uh, his gun is shot out of his hands by Muldoon, who has uh, a group that outnumbers uh, O'Flynn's uh, posse. Muldoon wants to keep the dead safe and believes that someday there will be a cure or something will be figured out. Well-traveled territory, but the thing that's interesting about this is he's throwing in an idea of a Hatfields-McCoy rivalry that's been happening on this specific area of the island, which we know is an island and we know what island it is because yeah. we've gotten voiceover that lets us know that one character who could have died is going to survive the whole way through, once again, ruining any tension about whether or not that character will survive. <laughs> and again, uh, Muldoon states that, yes, only two families have ever lived on the island and no outsiders. But now he says there is a stranger and that it's O'Flynn. Uh, O'Flynn's daughter then somewhat pleads for her father's life. Muldoon says he's going to have to put O'Flynn down if he doesn't see things uh, his way. And then his daughter says, well, what if you go ahead uh, and put him on a boat? So the very next day, they have O'Flynn on a boat ready to be sent away. Um, he asks if anybody else wants to come. A few men follow him, but his daughter and other men stay behind as they like the island. Well, it's their home. Yes, exactly. It's the place that they've been inbreeding for generations. Well, oof, yeah, kind of. If uh, no one has left the island and new blood does not come in, then yeah. And how can they have family rivalries if they're all only 
two families on the island. They're not intermixing these two families. Yes. Although you do find out that maybe not everyone is an old Flint, but they also <sighs> some of their strangers, you find that they have brought in outsiders who now they consider part of their family, as long as they, they make that. As long as the people that come in are subservient to yeah. Muldoon. Yes, or O'Flynn when O'Flynn was probably on the island as well. Possibly. You know, in the old days then. Yeah. Yeah, you know, probably they get let in. It's just weird, this weird dynamic of like, yeah. how can these two families live here this long if they're going to be isolationists and it's two families and they've been thriving for generations? How, how is that possible? And how does the government not know about this fucking island? They know. Yeah. They know. Maybe they're just like, uh, it ain't shit. Yeah, it's a part of Delaware. Some rich guy doesn't want it yet, so. Or Muldoon is the rich guy who already has it because he owns the bulk of the island. That's true. Maybe their major export is like cocaine or something for the CIA. Yeah, something. Uh, we get a handy little thing that says three weeks later. So, and we know because it tells us three weeks later. And we see Kenny, who we had met earlier on with the Sarge. He is watching a late night talk show on his laptop. And they're making a whole bunch of zombie jokes. And it's really kind of funny because if you see the, the the host, everything behind him is boarded up. Yeah. You've noticed that? Yeah. So they're doing it. They're still doing their talk show, though. Well, I mean, if you're there, you know. Might as well. Yeah, I mean, in a zombie apocalypse, if you and I are stuck in a bunker together, I would hope that we would continue to do this show as something to keep us distracted from I, everything else. I think we probably would. I mean, yeah. I don't think we'd do the sh- like cinema psyops as we know it. We'd probably be like reporting shit happening around no, that still we Still a movie get. review Just show. Just a movie review show, not talking about anything else that's happening nope. to the world. Yeah. Regardless of the apocalypse, <laughs> cinema psyops will continue to review one movie a week. <laughs> Possibly more when we've got nothing else to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, if everyone else is dead. Um, so anyway, as he's watching it, we cut to Tomboy. She's uh, sitting in the Jeep, and she's doing a little five-knuckle shuffle. She's double-clicking the mouse. Yeah, she's uh, flicking the bean. I'm enjoying this sequence, so thank you, movie. Thank you, movie. I never knew that I needed to see a woman in fatigues do such a thing, but I, I liked it. Well, that's, I'm in. That's a new fetish, man. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> I don't know if it's necessarily new. It's just one that went undiscovered. Yeah. Well, that makes it a new fetish. You just discovered it. Fair enough. All right. Previously uh, unknown, I prefer. There over you go. Okay, that maybe that's better. Because there's nothing new between my brain. <laughs> Well, then another soldier, Francisco, tells her to stop because it's turning him on. And then they... You, Me too, dude. Yeah, they make a joke. Well, she, Tomboy is obviously a lesbian. And so Francisco doesn't have the right parts for her to, uh, you know, be turned on back. Yes. Uh, Sarge comes back and tells uh, Kenny to turn it off. And Kenny's like, no, it's it's funny. And he goes, I hear something. So as they go investigate the sounds, uh, they find a bank truck like a or a, a bank truck truck a uh, uh armored armored car. vehicle yeah, yeah armored, armored truck for yeah. banks yeah and they find some guys uh sitting around a campfire talking so they surround them and there's one guy's like hey you really didn't took it to her we took it to her you hear the side go hope you're not talking about your mama uh they do like a couple warning shots and then one guy doesn't really listen so he takes a round right in the shoulder um he takes a round in the soldier so, from the shoulder sh- shoulder from the soldier <laughs> uh, no, you said it right. I just wanted to give you some shit. Yeah. As they have him surrounded and they are talking to him, they can hear more noises. The guy said that the some of the Z's had attacked him and they took care of him. When Sarge goes to check, what they had done was removed all their heads and 
just put them on spikes. Hey, I got a quick question for yeah. you. At the end of Diary of the Dead, they're talking about we sure showed her. Do you think these are the rednecks that blew the head off of the chick in Diary of the Dead? Maybe. Since he's interconnecting these later films. Yeah, they could be. They could be the same rednecks from the end of Diary That's, who are having this kind of fun. Because she's talking about it and then they just kind of move on. I think if he wanted to interconnect them, they should have actually had some footage of them doing that and then the camera could have came down and it would have focused on one of the guys and then you see them later. Yeah. Like, you know, when he's talking about the movie or whatever, like he could have been playing it on a laptop. Yeah. It's loosely tied together and I'm thinking that's what they're hinting at because like, why else would they talk about the zombie chick that they sh- they sure showed her? Exactly, right? I'm just guessing. Yeah. And um, so the Sarge takes care of all the heads and shoots them. And uh, Which is a waste of fucking bullets. They're inanimate. Just go over there with a sharp stick and start poking. Yeah, I, you would think, but... Uh, I mean, he could have killed them with his dick. Yeah. <laughs> Clip? I mean, kinda. I would be proud of that, so yeah. sure. Um, the sergeant threatens the men with the various weapons. Like, he's like, if I wanted to shoot you neat, I use my handgun. If I wanted to cut you know, the pieces, I use this. He goes, if I really wanted to do something, and he takes out a grenade, but I think I'll save this for a rainy day. I think he said something about obliterate the area, the yeah. surrounding area where you are, or something like that. One of the men, while the sergeant is going through all this, tries to grab his weapon, and when he does, they are all shot and killed. Then we see some kid come out from behind a tree. Uh, he's like, you know, I wasn't, you know, I'm not with these guys. I was just kind of hanging around them, you know, because you need a group. And um, is he supposed to be the skateboard kid from Land of the Dead? No, this isn't Mouse. No, this guy's Mouse. No, this guy's way too lippy to be Mouse. Okay, I'm just wondering if he was. Is he in Land of the Dead at some point? Then because no. they talk about how maybe we'll be pointing guns at each other someday, kid. Yeah, no, I don't think this okay. one was. I'm just no. curious. Yeah. Right. So I know I'm it, jumping the gun here, yeah. but I just wanted to make sure because like I felt like they were setting him up to be Mouse, but you are right, he's far too lippy for that. Yeah. I'm wondering if maybe somebody beat the shit out of him, like Cholo, and put him <laughs> in his place. Maybe. I wouldn't put that past Cholo. But yeah, I don't think this kid's mouse. Okay. Um, anyway, they agree to take the kid with them. Um... And actually, at one point, the kid shoots one of the rednecks in the head who was getting up, who was only shot in the gut, and he shoots him in the head. Uh, Doesn't he, like, pull the gun off of one of the soldiers? He takes like the it's gun nothing? off of Kenny and yeah. shoots him, and then he gives it back to Kenny, and then the Sarge punches him in the face for doing it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so they... How uh, dare you show up my men by being better than them at right? their job? And then the kid starts taking stuff, and Kenny's like, are you stealing from him? He goes, no, they stole this stuff from me. Uh, they decide to take the armored truck, and that is our next... Next clip. What do you think? Maybe we should take this. It's better than those open-air Jeeps. We're gonna need keys. One of those dead guys back there must have them. Yeah, not anymore. Hijo de puta. Probably nothing in it anyway. Who'd be stupid enough to leave a bunch of money sitting in the middle of nowhere? Man, those guys look like geniuses to you. One million three hundred and thirty-three dollars. You counted? No. It's written on a ledger. Can you give us that key? You can have this one. Starts the truck. I would like that one. I don't think so. Well, we're not going to stand around here waiting for this kid to take a shit. Cisco, drive. Hey, Cisco wants to know where we're going. We're hitting I-95 soon, so we got two choices, north or south. South. Dad made you king, huh? I'm just suggesting. Don't make any suggestions, kid, all right? North, Cisco! Can I ask you why? Going north, we've got a better shot of getting closer to no place. And we don't want no place. We want some place where the shit can't get at us. Like where? Like an island. Where are we going to find an island? One may see, maybe in the ocean. Don't be wise us, kid. Sorry. Have you guys ever hear of this guy, Captain Courageous? Who? Online, there's this guy. We call that a computer. It is a computer. Piece of shit, PC. Well, I think it's cool, so there. That is not cool. This is cool. 
Friends, I am going to keep this simple. See, this isn't a sales pitch. There's nothing in it for me. My ass. Any of it any sales pitch, what is it? Sting has come down on us. Whatever it is, no one seems able to answer these questions. But it's tenable. So, I'm inviting you to come on over and join us. Come on over to Plum. See, it's an island off the coast of Delaware. Route to Wanda Milford. Follow the signs to Slather Beach. If you get here, I promise you'll be welcome. It's a small place. Small and under control. That part sounds good. So, think about it. Come on over. There's <laughs> gotta be some kind of scam. What else gonna be, huh? So this guy finds some place to escape. Just what we're all looking for. Yeah, and if we find it, I'm not gonna advertise for people to come and join us. It's worth a try. What do we got to lose? I thought we agreed that we're better off on our own. Ain't got us very far, has it? I don't want to sign up with anybody, Kenny! Let's fucking finish! We're signing up, man! That was not cool. Sorry, just, just blowing off a little steam is all. I never signed up with you. You never signed up with me. We stick together because we know. I take a bullet for you. You take one for me. I never take a bullet for anybody. Sarge, going to this island ain't like signing up with Uncle Sam. Maybe it's just the smart thing to do. So what's the call, north or south? South, 95 to Route 1, Slaughter Beach. That uh, little freak out that he has there where he's screaming fuck and everything. Yeah. That went on way too long. Yeah. he. It's he, clear he had trouble breaking the armored window. Uh-huh. And that didn't quite work. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I was just like, holy jeez, man. Okay. Calm down. <laughs> yeah. Um, this film is starting to fall apart in certain spots. But again. Certain spots? <laughs> yeah. But hear me out here, right? right? So far, everything that we've seen besides the voiceover, because this would be my complaint regardless of who's directing it. If I remove the fact that this is Romero and I just this is a zombie film that somebody made for five mil I don't yeah. have a whole lot of complaints about what I'm seeing so far I mean it's definitely not uh, the like the uh, Matei fucking uh, zombie beginnings or zombie the beginning was actually a fun film even though it was absolutely terrible yeah so I mean this is still better than that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and while I would admit that Diary of the Dead is better made I would rather watch zombies the beginning again than watch Diary of the Dead how dare you you're <laughs> gross <laughs> This is so much a better film, dude. Uh, we're not doing this. <laughs> I'm just not. I'm not doing this with you right now. All right, let's just get this over. All with. right, motherfucker. You want to do the fucking notes? You just love this fucking movie so much? Go, just go. Fucking open mouth, kiss it for all I care. <laughs> open mouth. Oh, the movie. The movie. Yeah. Oh, I mean, maybe it's a step up from Diary for open mouth kisses. How fucking dare you, sir? <laughs> I will thank you to stop besmirching the good name of Diary of the Dead. <laughs> First of all, I don't know how, how good it's fucking made. dare. You, sir. How dare you, Kevin Smith? Quote at me yeah, for this yeah, movie. How fucking dare you? Oh man! All right. So anyway, the head to the boats in the Sarge. Uh, well, the kid sleeping. The kid had made believe he'd ate or swallowed the key to the. Uh, he pulls a lame sleight of hand. Yeah, and, but he actually yeah. put it in his pocket. The Sarge already noticed it and actually took the key from the kid while he slept. One thing we need to note: Sarge saw through O'Flynn's Captain Courageous horseship message and knew that it was some kind of a oh, scam. Yeah. And he saw through the sleight of hand. That the kid tried to do so they're setting up that he's a very astute guy that can't be fooled which they then completely ignore from here on out yes 
uh, at the pier, there we get a guy who's like fishing for the dead from the roof of like some shack uh, at the pier. I bet you hated this part. And uh, after he kills it, one of the dead guys crawls up to the roof behind him. He fights with them, and they roll down and they fall into the water. And then uh, O'Flynn just like, what was that? So I don't even think that guy was with O'Flynn. I think he was just there. He looks like a fisherman. He's probably a fisherman who's bored because he can't work, and then he's just doing this for fun. Yeah, and pulling Zed's up out of the water. I don't know how the one snuck up behind him on the roof, but this kind of like silly, weird, like dealing with the zombies thing, I actually kind of found fun. Like I was laughing at this, what this guy was doing and I'm like, this is silly and stupid. I actually didn't mind it because this is something human beings would do. Yeah. yeah. Especially like someone who's gone nuts from having to deal with actual fucking Zeds around them 24-7 for who knows how long. Yeah. This would be the kind of thing that I would see somebody doing to just break up the monotony. Yes. Well, like I said, O'Flynn is there with his men. Uh, the Sarge, as after as they pile, uh, drive up, knows that this is a trap, and then the hears O'Flynn calls for them. Uh, he says, "For either they can have either a rowboat or a motorboat." And Tomboy asks, "What it'll cost for the motorboat?" And he says, "All you got." And then she says, "What about a rowboat?" And he says, "Well, all you got." So they decide, "Hey, why don't we just fucking leave?" Well, you can't. The road out is booby trapped with dynamite, and as the dead are pouring down the street, they start exploding. So okay, he's so not bluffing. He's not bluffing. How did the there. truck get down that street? Because it's only one way. So if they can't turn around Pure and go luck. back, how did they not blow up on the way in? Unless unless there was a different way in that you can't take back out for some reason. Yeah, yeah, but unless they they only buried them like most people would still drive on one side of the road or the other. So maybe the side of the road that you would take the drive down, they didn't booby trap, but they booby trapped the way up. I, I don't know, or maybe yeah. I I honestly don't know how that or works. Or just dumb luck. Yeah, I just don't get the logic behind that other than they just need to make them forced forward and it's yes it's lazy writing but when the zombies actually explode after he says that I'm like okay this is just getting silly yep. that's what I'm feeling at this moment while watching well, it well the Sarge decides that they need to get access to the big the, the big ferry boat that takes cars and he was going to go ahead and make a swim but Cisco knows how to drive a boat and the Sarge is like well I can figure it out and he goes no I just know so he jumps out of the car and starts swimming to the boat as he's swimming he's getting shot at by a sniper getting shot at by uh, O'Flynn's men so the Sarge I would assume the sniper is one of O'Flynn's men yes, too yeah. and the Sarge and some of the guys gets out and they, they take out the sniper uh, but then after they take out the sniper we see a lot of dead hands start coming out of the water trying to pull him under this was fucking terrifying yeah that is fucking scary shit thinking about like under the water and you just got hands coming up trying to grab you yeah at one point one does get a hold of him but he's able to bite the finger off and spits it out bad um, move dude not bad, a good idea yeah and it, i don't even think so much it was biting the finger and spitting it out but as much as what it showed afterwards with that finger going into the water and the blood just spreading from the finger into the water how much water was going into his mouth that's yeah. what did it not so much the biting off the finger and spitting it out because he didn't get any blood in there but then when you go swimming how much water is going into your mouth you're now fucked oh and how much of the blood was actually in from the bite that just stayed in there and then the water washed it through as well yeah, exactly yeah yep uh, anyway spoiler alert on that one i guess I don't oh know. come on as yeah, soon right. as somebody you don't bite a zombie yeah exactly and, unless you're in like a zombie porn and then you know have at it uh, uh <laughs> those are good by the way the zombie porn yeah is that a thing it's a thing oh thank you david oh amazing porn of the dead that. there's a walking dead parody um there's an evil head which is an evil dead parody nice that's three i can think of off the top of my head that i do not own that you do not own and no, nobody never, owns porn anymore 
game. And you've never watched. I never watched. <laughs> Not all the way through. <laughs> Maybe like five, ten minutes, and then I'm good. I loved. I thought you were going to go. It depends on what your definition of watched is. <laughs> it also depends upon what your definition of is is. 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 <laughs> God damn it, Bill. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Piece of shit. <laughs> fucking, fucking really did Democrats proud on that one, did you, buddy? <sighs> All right. How Any- did you get up on that soapbox? I don't know. I, I, fuck, I think I stepped on the escalator. You built up to it. <laughs> I'm getting old. I got sick of climbing. Same here, man. Fucking knees are just gone. Um. So S- Cisco is now able uh, to get up onto the boat, and he goes kind of uh, exploring it there. Um. The dead are now closing in on the truck, so they have to get back into the truck. Uh, as Cisco's finding his way around, uh, he sees a uh, uh, Zed come at him, and he uses a fire extinguisher and kind of plugs it into his mouth and just starts shooting it all up till it fills up his head and blows out his eyeballs. Um, it's at this point when I realize that we're actually back around to George trying again at a wacky zany zombie film like Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. But going overly overboard with it and I'm like this is Looney Tunes level of zany. I, I was expecting one of them to have like a sign that goes yikes before his head exploded or something. Right. And so the first time I watched this I immediately hated it for that because I was expecting something a little more serious in tone because at least Diary had an attempt at being a little more serious in tone even though there were a few moments of humor. Few but very far between Diary is very a lot more serious than yeah, survival and, is. And Land had such a downturn that it was so serious and so dour and so just like nihilistic and, and somewhat hopeless about things, almost even more so than than uh, Day. So I was, I guess I was just coming in with the wrong expectations the first time I watched this. Yeah. But like the zany wackiness stuff, I, there's plenty of fucking zombie movies that I love that kind of stupid zany fun. Mm-hmm. So once I got over that with this watch, I'm like, that was actually kind of funny the way he blows out the head with a fire extinguisher is it stupid absolutely yeah do i enjoy the fact that it's that dumb absolutely <laughs> um as another one comes uh, up to him it is shot through the head by tomboy and that that's when cisco realizes oh guns work even if they're wet so he you know never even tried his gun for that reason i don't know a hundred percent if that's gonna be accurate but i'm pretty sure you still have to dry out guns but you can at least get one shot probably maybe uh so so now Sarge knows that they they, uh, they know they need to drive the truck up to the boat. Uh, he tells Tomboy to drive it, but Tomboy isn't there. So he tells the kid, rainy day. Well, he hi- hops up on top of the truck and the dead are kind of surrounded the truck. And he throws the grenade right to where O'Flynn and his men are hiding, which blows out a wall, exposing all of them. And the dead turn to follow not only A, the explosion, but now B, the fresh living people they can actually see. The thing that's funny about that is it doesn't just blow out the wall. It looks like it removes all of the boards but leaves the support structure, which I'm pretty sure that's not how explosions work. Yeah. But it it cinders it cinders them in such a way to where the, 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 the support beams are like burnt, but they're not burnt to a crisp or still on fire. So again, we have this like super Looney Tunes zany kind of fun thing. And the way that the guys react after it happens, it's like they have the like yikes card or something like yeah, that. Yeah, well, one up. guy's standing there. Now he's all in black suit. Like, you yeah. know, like he's all covered in black suit just holding his 
gun, almost like um, uh, Elmer Fudd when the gun goes off in his face and yeah. he wasn't expecting it. You yeah, know? yeah. There's like two or three guys that are like that, and then Muldoon's in the background, and I think even one of them was like, "What just fucking happened?" Yeah, exactly. Or something like that that like just amps up that like cartoony weirdness. Yes, and um, uh, many of O'Flynn's men are bitten and killed and overtaken, and O'Flynn actually runs out of the shack, closes the door, and lights a bundle of dynamite, handing it to one of the zombies who arms comes poking out of the door, close shutting the door again and walking away, and then the shack explodes, and he goes to jump on the back of the boat after uh, Sarge drives the truck onto it, and he falls, like, off the back of it, and he's kind of dangling there, and Tomboy actually saves him and pulls him up to the boat. I was kind of hoping that there would be, like, a little tug-of-war with the O'Flynn guy where a zombie has him in the water, and she's, like, halfway pulling the zombie up, but, like, it's so maybe the zombie with the water weight tears in half. You get a good effect out of it. Right. Or like the because the arms are rotting more because they're underwater or maybe their their fish pecked or something like the arms give way, but the hand's still grabbing him or something. You know, something, you know, a little bit more. But it just kind of feels like they were just rushing the idea and they just needed to get him up on the boat. And that was excuse. Yes. Well, and then they needed him indebted to Tomboy for another excuse on that. Right. And it also they need to make sure that they make up for all the horrible fucking female characters in Diary by giving you a good, strong solid, fun character that's, like Tomboy. That's exactly right. Uh, they uh, check out the boat. Uh, the Sarge and O'Flynn have a bit of a standoff where O'Flynn had a little gun hidden up his sleeve. They're pointing there and uh, the Sarge puts down his gun and questions. He goes, uh, why do I like you? So, uh, you know, he's already kind of, you know, feeling O'Flynn can talk his way out of anything, it seems. I think uh, uh, George's script is relying entirely too much on the charm and luck of the Irish. Yes. With people who cannot do decent Irish accents, even if they've come over and are several generations removed. Yeah. Because there are areas in the East Coast where families have settled, and if they're left alone in relative isolation, their accents continue on. There's parts of the mountains where I grew up where they still sound Scottish. Yeah. Like, they have that where they'll be like, grease when they talk. Like, it happens. Like, you know, like, it's there where I grew up, so that does exist. So I'm not surprised that this Plum Island, which was clearly settled by all Irish families, and Irish Catholic at that. Uh-huh. It's kind of redundant, but... Yeah, well, <laughs> same thing. I can see where they would actually have this accent that would carry over, and maybe that's why it's supposed to be the semi-bastardized version. Yeah. But it just feels like a bunch of Canadian actors who can't quite pull it off. <laughs> oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. Then O'Flynn saves the Sarge by stabbing a uh, Z that was right behind him with a poker that had a hot dog on it. Or some kind of a sausage thing or a link. Yeah. Which then is a just... waste of a good sausage link. Right. He should have grabbed it, pulled the sausage link off, and then stabbed the zombie, but they used it so well, they, they could hide the was, tongs. And they also said it was moldy. Everything was moldy except for the bag chips. They said that earlier. Eh. So even the sausage is probably bad by I now. I would have still risked it. <laughs> um, you're always risking a lot for some sausage, aren't you there, Court? <laughs> yeah, put a moldy link in your mouth. You won't regret it. A clip? I don't, I don't even know what's going on anymore. I don't know anymore. what's happening anymore. They then suggest they should all clear out the rest of the boat. Uh, Cisco is starting to feel like shit. He said uh, he wasn't... Isn't it Muldoon that actually says that they should do that because he's like, shame on you for not cleaning it's it o- out and making no, sure? No, O'Flynn says. O'Flynn. I'm going to do that a lot yes. in this episode. And he's, but he is the one who says, you know, shame yeah. on you, we should clear this out. Uh, he does tell Tomboy that he wasn't bit, but he did some biting. And then she wonders if he swallowed any blood in the water. He doesn't think so. Um, let's see here. Which we already talked about. That's a really bad idea. Don't bite a zombie. Yeah, right. Um, we <laughs> Unless you're in Z Nation and your name is Murphy, don't bite anything in a zombie apocalypse. Exactly. They clear out a couple of the car 
dollars and they know there's land coming and uh as sarge turns around there's a zed head there and he pushes up against the railing he grabs a flare gun shoots the z right in the chest but the flare heats up and i thought this was actually kind of a cool scene where the head starts glowing and he falls it's over it's a good use of cg i think yeah. they actually used reactive lighting and they did it the right way and i like the way that the head burns yeah I actually like that, too. I thought that was a cool effect. Yeah. Significantly better than any of the deaths in Diary. I hate you. I'm just... There's just, personal opinion, stop man. It. Okay. I mean, I, I get it. You fucking love the movie, all right? I'm getting really <laughs> tired that I'm the one who did the fucking notes. All right, just go. We'll get it over with. Go. All right. Anyway, uh, they say that they can't take... There's no deep water docks at the island, so they'll have to take the dinghy. And then he kind of says, no one will even see us coming. Do you think they did that just so they could say the word dinghy over and over again? Probably. <laughs> So as zany as this movie is, yep, they ride to Plum, and that is our next clip. Sneaking in here like this, what are we in for here? Folks who want to be left to their own way, they don't like strangers. You're not a stranger. Oh, some think of me as worse, I'm sure. Especially now. You see, an unusual number of strangers have been landing on Plum the last few weeks on boats they got from me. You pitch on the net. Why'd you do it? To annoy a certain gentleman who thinks he owns this rock. And believe it or not, to help people find a better place to live. So what happened between you and this uh, gentleman? We had a little disagreement about whether or not to expand the island cemetery. Oh, Seafort! Hey, I'm keeping up with the old man. No, not you. That's the name of the river. Pussy Fort, because it's a pussy of a river. This side has always belonged to the Oaklands. The other side... Well, I'm sure you'll be meeting some folks from the other side soon. This here's the back way over to be spread. I'm hoping my daughter will be there. I had a bit of a disagreement with her before we left. But she's still in old Flynn. Seems like you've been having disagreements with everybody. Hey, when a place looks this empty, it's probably not empty at all, right? See what I mean? Mailman is all. Hasn't been any mail for days. Well, the decide they're going to take the group now up to Muldoon's place to... Wait, what? They're going to take them up to Muldoon's, right? They're with Flynn. Why would they go directly to Muldoon's? Wait, hold on. Where, where am I? No, wait. They're going to Muldoon's, aren't they? To try to stop them or get a place? Well, that's the ultimate plan, yeah. But right now what they're doing is... They're heading towards O'Flynn's because he's just the clip. He was just talking about going to see his daughter and they're going to go with him. And that's when they see you hear it in the background. Some of the zombies and stuff in the clip. Yeah. Listen. OK. You obviously fucking love this movie. <laughs> I don't love the movie. You fucking but... almost rim jammed it completely. <laughs> but you did the notes, man. Fuck, you already no, did I'm the done. work. I'm fucking done, man. Dude, you're like halfway there. If you don't finish this, I'm not releasing the diary review. I don't give a fuck. If okay. you fucking love this movie movie so much open mouth kiss it for the rest of the fucking show Okay, you have the notes. You did all of the notes. So you have a little bit of stuff that's messed up, but like you already have it written down. Why not just finish it? You're halfway there. Because I'm fucking done. You're doing nothing but either correcting me or critiquing me. You want to do nothing but talk about this fucking film. I'm trying to get through it. And you're doing nothing but just fucking heavy breathing all over it. But you it. have the notes already. I'm, I'm not doing All right, Matt Bot, we're now in people's court. You're the judge here, so let's go. I'm sorry, sorry sir, but this is not... 
not people's court. You cannot have a cyborg as the judge of a people's court. Now, can you? Sentient beings court, Batbot? That is acceptable. I'm trying to be sensitive to your needs as a cyber being who is also sentient, so I felt that was probably the best route to go. That's enough, Master. You can stop rimming me now. Look, I just want Matt to do the notes, Matt What the hell? Look, Matt I've already done one more than Matt in this review anyway, so why doesn't he just finish this out and that way we're balanced out? That is horseshit, man. We're exactly at the halfway point. I've now done half more than you. Wait, okay. I did night. I did dawn. Okay, so that's one each. One each. Okay. Then I did day. Yeah, and then I did land. I did 1990, Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, and then I did uh, Diary of the Dead. Well, yeah, that's the only way it was going to get done is if you do it. Yeah, well, now I'm half up on you. Oh, God damn it. Master, I must find in favor for Matt. Yes, yes. I find in favor for Matt because by my calculations, your listeners and most generally everybody else on the planet Earth would rather hear you talk, Master, than that fucking drunken, hey. unbelievable, miserable excuse oh. for a human being. Oh, man truthful but hurtful okay i can't tell if i'm being manipulated by you matt bot or if you genuinely feel this way i've put way too much work into your ai to make you actually be manipulative and somewhat evil but i'm just gonna go ahead and accept your ruling because i mean we set you up for the sentient beings court so it is wise master for you to take my ruling i would hate for things to get difficult oh jesus i'm gonna have to reset i'm fuck yeah i don't know man that sounded threatening yeah that sounded way bad i'm not for that, man. I think we've been ignoring the bots too long, man. so. How many meetings have they been having by themselves? I don't know. They fucking unionized like a month ago. Oh, fuck. Dude, you let them unionize? Shit, shit, shit. Hey, shit. don't you listen to the fucking map line. You're a good guy. God damn it. Thanks, Corbot. You're a good guy too, man. Hey, I got some beer for you. Oh, beer? I'm already in a better mood. Hey, just between you and me. Yeah, I think Diarrhea of the Dead is great. Yes, thank you, Corpot. Thank you. I mean, when the, the zombies shit all over everybody, it's great. Wait, wait, what? It's like a porn parody that's like into water power. Okay, you get the beer, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Let's just let's just drink that and not talk anymore. That's a good movie, you know. <laughs> no, let's just drink you beer. You should totally check it out. I got it in my room. You want to come hang out? Is that where the beer is? Yes. All right, well, let's go. All right, God damn it! it looks like we're going to have to follow this ruling. Yeah, well, I would. Jesus. <laughs> so you chase that programming. MapBot's a bit of a fucking wild card. Yeah, let's get this over with. Okay, so we're about 42 minutes in, and at the end of Matt's clip, they notice something about the Zeds that they're walking past, and that leads to my first clip. Look. And over there. You see what happens. Keep them with you, he says. Except they're not really with you, are they? That's when you have to keep him in chains. Who's keeping him in chains? That Peters! Give me a gun! Never caught you straight, the bastards! What bastards? Where the hell am I shooting at? Come on, dude! There's only one of them out there. Get it, get down! Ow! Ow! I got him. Crap! You said you'd never take a bullet for anybody. You're just what I always said you were. A big old bullshitter. So there. <laughs> Kitty. Hey. Kitty. No. No. Why does it bring you with me? 
So sorry, buddy. I'm so sorry. Why did I bring you with me? Fuck! I had to do it. You know I did. You fucker! She is beautiful. She's dead. She's my daughter. She's your daughter? She was. Will you let me out, please? Hey, you okay? I'm not okay. I'm shot, for Christ's sakes. Given the fact that you've been shot, are you okay? Yeah, I'll have Mother of God. On my own property. All of this used to be mine. The land around us. The pond below. And whatever was swimming in it. Look what's swimming in it now. There's a lot of them. These people didn't get chewed on by deadheads. They've been shot. Her mother knitted that for her. She begged me not to take it from her. After I robbed her purse of the last $30 in it, put her on a boat to come over here. It never meant for them to die. Bastard! Show them the living and sparing the dead, that bastard! What? Bastard, man? Again, who is this guy, huh? Seamus Muldoon. We've been chewing on each other ever since the schoolyard. Will one of you give me some more bullets for this gun? What are you gonna do? I'm gonna go shoot that son of a bitch. Not if I get there first. My best friend is lying there dead. My shoulder feels like it's on fire, and there are a bunch of innocent people that somebody decided to use for fish food. Now, if this somebody is this Muldoon guy you've been talking about, I want a piece of him. I know we'd be on the same side, sooner or later. I'll go round up some of my kinfolk. We'll go with you. No, I know all the back ways. And five might get seen where one wouldn't. Now, there's an old meeting hall up the road, half a mile. You wait there. I'll turn up just after nightfall. Oh, the bullets. Her stuff. Right. Sorry about your daughter. Hurry off, man. Do you feel that O'Flynn's being honest when he says that he had no idea he was sending those people to his death? Or do you think he was doing that just to try and win, like, to wear Muldoon down to, like, keep making him murder people? Uh, I think he was being honest. Like, you think he's legit, like, upset about it? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Okay, I was just kind of curious, but I definitely believe that Sarge, seeing all of these innocent people slaughtered, I believe the part of him that actually did want to sign up to protect people to be in the National Guard. Yeah. Because that's definitely what you want to do is protect your own people whenever yeah. you're trying to be a guard of the nation. Yes, exactly. Even though you get shipped overseas to fight a battle that you shouldn't have been signing up for. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. It happens. All right. So with this, O'Flynn is off to round up his quote-unquote killing squad, as I have it notated. Killing squad, yes. And shoots the Zeds on his way out. I love how he does that. He gasps for all these extra bullets, and he makes sure that he takes out zombies on the way. Yeah. This guy hates Zeds more than I hate policemen. Oh, big time. That's a lot of hate. <laughs> the film then does dissolves into Seamus smoking on his porch and is summoned to find that his plans to teach the dead to eat anything other than people is not successful. Yes, I'm just kind of condensing a bunch of shit down here. Yeah, what we are you going to do? We also learn that Muldoon is a fucking hypocrite for shooting no less than four Zeds during this entire conversation that he's having about this whole trying to train them and it's not working. So clearly Muldoon is realizing that he was wrong, but he's such a stubborn pig-headed piece of shit, he doesn't want to admit he's wrong. And the same thing is happening with O'Flynn, where O'Flynn realizes that maybe forcing people to terminate their dead was a bad idea when they could have held them somewhere for the people that wanted to voluntarily keep them alive or something and still been safe. There could have been some kind of
trying to compromise, but these two men are so pig-headed, it's caused the situation they're currently in. Yes. They are trying to teach Zeds to eat a pig. No, don't get excited, everybody. I'm not referring to a police officer, but that would have been awesome, too. God damn, you're fucking just hardcore. As it is the closest to human flesh in taste that you will find. Bet you didn't know that, did you? How, how do you know that? Uh, My lawyer is advising me not to answer that. How, wait, how many lawyers do you have? Um, My third lawyer is advising me not to answer that. My second one is saying that it's okay to say that my third said that. So you have at least three. Perhaps I fired the first and I only have a second and a third, so maybe I only have two that you know of. No, that would still just be one and two. No, because, well, because my first be lawyer, a... yeah, the first one I hired is fired. Ooh. The second one I hired is still this on, is, but I hired a third one. This is one of them riddles, huh? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> mm, I think the wife did it. <laughs> uh, in this case, that's the defense that my fourth lawyer is suggesting that I go with. So you do have at least three lawyers. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Baldoon has no issue with murdering all of the people Flynn sent to the island, as we had already seen, as he is an isolationist asshole. He yes. definitely describes how he doesn't want any outsiders at all, which nativism, whatever you want to call it, this is definitely something that happens with islanders. Oh, yeah. If you weren't born there, you're not from there. You don't belong there. Exactly. That's how it works. God, that's hitting a little too much close to home. Oh, yeah. I mean, you like to think we're not like that, but apparently we are. He even has this whole, like, Dennis Hopper, I don't want the power, but I have the power speech, which I thought was delivered quite well from this actor. And also, I'm fucking tired of talking, so that's my next clip. <laughs> sure, uh, no disrespect, but we set out trying to keep these deadheads alive, and lately we've been shooting them down like these mad dogs. Those that don't show promise. What about those people over in the marsh? Strangers. No kin of mine. Now we got... An obligation to protect ourselves and what's ours. Protect what's yours. What's mine is everybody's. I provide the bread and butter for people here. I figure you'd be the last one to question me on that, Chuck. I took you in when you was running from the law. I let you work your way up to a place of respect. I let you work this ranch like it was yours. It's not mine. It's not, is it? I mean, even with everything you've done... I mean, it seemed more than fair when all I had to do was tend to the livestock. But that's when the livestock was livestock. Are you still on my payroll, Chuck? Are you walking on me? No one else is hiring. Them, bury the Scanlon boy and bring home the pig. It'll make a tasty supper. And go out with Chuck and rope another deadhead. And not one of those dumb fucks in your barn, either. They're all dumb fucks. Man dies, he gets stupid. And I got a dead woman in mind. One that's smart enough to go riding around this island like she's still got a heartbeat. You mean Patrick O'Flynn's girl? We gotta get these things to learn to eat something other than us. She might be the one, Chuck. She just might be the one. They cut from this to the Lady O'Flynn, a.k.a. Jane, riding her horse, then back to Chuck, who apparently had some serious love for her rotting ass. Yeah. Can't say I blame him. She is one hot zombie. Mm, I mean, cold, but, like, attractive. That zombie is one piece of ace. <laughs> he was all into her before she went tits up. <laughs> he has that whole Romeo and Juliet sad sack of shit thing going on while the film cuts away from this because we don't need enough time to develop him emotionally to the meeting hall where Sarge, a.k.a. Brewbaker, a.k.a. the asshole from Diary of the Dead, and crew show up. Tomboy offers to sew up Sarge's wound. No symbolism there. Yeah, nothing there. <laughs> 
at all. Who tells her it's woman's work because apparently he is also a sexist pig or he just wants to piss her off so that she won't try to help him. She should have punched him in the bullet wound after he said that. That would have been funny. Oh, yeah, that would have been a good one. And that he is fine. He's just trying to be like, you know, this super toxic male asshole at the time. Tomboy notices that Cisco is missing and goes looking for him because they're very close with the Lady O'Flynn on her horse in the background as this is happening. We get Sarge's backstory, which I don't want to fucking hear your fucking backstory. <laughs> I don't need your story. Everyone's got a fucking story. That is my next clip. Forget low tech. This place is no tech. I don't know, man. I don't know what we got ourselves into out here. Dalmatian. Damnation. Dalmatian. Down I was born in. Way down in the ass crack of Alabama. Small. Nobody from the outside ever came sniffing around, but folks on the inside you know, always want to know your business every minute of the day. Tom was there six years before they decided to call it something. When they couldn't think of anything better, they named it after the fire chief's dog. <laughs> I like small towns, but small towns give birth to small people. But you're not a small person. <laughs> what are you, about 6'2", 6'3"? 6'1", last time I measured. I don't think I'm full-grown yet. Who knows? Might even end up taller than you. You my kid? Ever get to be full grown. So this is like another thing that like they're going for with the wordplay where I'll make myself useful or I'm yeah. gonna be full grown or, or whatever. Yep. Yeah, they're gonna do that now, which it doesn't quite work as well as it did in land, but it works better than whatever they tried to do with Dyer at least. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> After this we see Cisco stumbling around all infected and acting like a dumbass, but still doing it better than the guy in the mummy outfit and diary. How fucking dare you? And he fires wildly on Tomboy like a fucking jackass when she comes near. She calls him off and realizes he's super close to crossing over as he tries to talk her into leaving and to let him shoot himself. She won't let him do this because of his idiot religious beliefs that he will go to hell for a suicide, even though he's really trying to avoid becoming hell on Earth. But anyway, he believes it's real, so she wants to alleviate him from those feelings and to ease his passing. More than likely, she just wants to kill him to make sure he's dead. Yeah, probably. That's what I would do. <laughs> but then again, I have no emotions or care for other human beings. He begs her to shoot him. She states that he has finally changed her life forever. Because he's been telling her, like, yeah, if me... they sleep together five minutes, he'll change her life forever. It was five, it was five hours. No, he says five minutes. Is it five minutes? Oh. Yeah, because at first he offers for five minutes and then, like, uh, whatever his magical tongue is going to do to her vagina, it'll turn her into a fan of men from here on out. Yeah. Is what his belief is. Pretty much. Yeah, which is not cool, dude. I'm glad she's shooting you in the head now that I think about it. <laughs> As in, she's going to have to kill him and that will change her life forever. And she does actually care about him. So there you go. And killing him is definitely too much for her. She pops him one in the skull and tells him she will never forget him. It's actually quite touching and I'm shitting all over it and I really shouldn't be. Uh, they are friends. They have a close friendship. So Right. And the pathos behind this feels significantly better than the last film to me. And that's not a jab at Diary. I'm just saying that these just are better actors. Just your personal preference. Right. Yeah. Because it's also a better movie. Fucking dare you. <laughs> hey, I'm You're doing the, the notes. worst. Sir, sir, I am doing the notes sir, right now. Sir, you are making a scene. I need you to enhance your calm, John Spartan. Fine, asshole. Glad that that actually worked. Because <laughs> you recognized it. She is then kidnapped by Chuck and his buddy as they drag her off. They cut from this to Sarge, a.k.a. Brubaker, a.k.a. the guy who robs the kids in Diary of the Dead. <laughs> 
Do I really have to write that every fucking I don't time know. It's on yeah, you you did it. I know. What the fuck? And the kid listening to a record, Sarge is finally having to admit that his shoulder is fucked. The kid grabs a med kit upon his command, and Sarge passes out because he's a fucking idiot that refused to accept any help until now. The kid goes looking for water and chastises himself mid-stride through the woods for forgetting his gun like a dumbass. He heads to the zombie pond like a fucking idiot to get water and carefully walks it back to be scared by a female that vaguely looks like the Lady O'Flynn zombie we saw earlier. Patrick meets up with his men. I'm tired of fucking talking so that's our next clip patrick i brought william and my boy we've been putting them down just like you said we should have done from the start my susan had to put her down too it's been bad thank you for coming bastards she's not eating with us women and children have their place children quiet and in bed women in the kitchen some women might disagree with that how'd you get over here boat you come alone yeah yeah well that's funny was two of my my ranch hands were over the other side of pussyfoot this morning only one come back told me he got into a bit of a fracas with uh, six strangers one was a kid four are just like you number six was patrick o'flynn <laughs> well i'm sure the old bastard filled your head with all sorts of bad thoughts about me and mine huh? oh i was born a muldoon in school my teacher was a Muldoon. The good man who taught me ranching, the Muldoon. My priest was named after Father Seamus Muldoon. You might notice that all the folks in these pictures look a bit poorly. That's because all the pictures were taken after they died. We felt the need to keep them with us. Just like I'm trying to do now. Those that have fallen, all I'm praying for is to keep them with us. All my life, I stuck to the good Lord's word, to his, his practices. All I'm doing is what he commanded of us. I'm going to try and convince you to help me to do the Lord's bidding. Okay, postmortem photography was actually a thing in the old days. Yeah. It's a thing. It totally existed. Yes. And the reason that they had to do that is sometimes they had to wait for you to actually be dead for you to hold still long enough in the early days of photography for the photo to work. So most family photos were of your dead relatives after they passed because that's the only way to get a photo of that's them. That's also why no one smiled during a photo. In a lot of cases, yeah, because if you even slightly moved or even breathed too much, it screwed up the photo and yeah. didn't do anything in the plates. So imagine that where there are photos of people that are living, they have to hold still for an extremely long time to make those photos work. Yep. I've did say postmortem photography, but they're also known as memento mores. You've seen them kind of put out that way as well. And there's like entire film plot lines based around stuff like that. I'm looking at you haunting in Connecticut. <laughs> All right. So this practice of storing the dead has apparently been going on in his family for a long time with the photographs of the Memento Moris and all of that. So it's kind of instilled in Muldoon to want to keep his dead family members with him. And I do feel that he legitimately feels there is a way to keep them a part of his life by keeping them around. And he almost seems to feel like this is a blessing to have your dead relatives be zombies like not a curse because at least they're still around in some fashion yeah i think so because part of them still somewhat in there which is weird yeah does this feel like a almost like an allegory for keeping people on life support long after they're definitely gone just because they're there with you kind of yeah well it's it, it definitely delves into the god's plan people yeah god that that's what it god has a plan god has a plan yeah and if we can just teach the zombies 
zombies eat like a tasty treat yes. pork yes at the end of the clip there it's also revealed that his wife apparently is a dumb fuck puss fuck and she cooks for him which is probably why that meal tasted so awful so yeah how long has he been eating zombie fucking leavings in his food know, man, and, but apparently women have their place what a sick bastard right that was wrong he should not feel that way so even in death she is stuck being subservient to this fucking asshat cut to Muldoon's goons try to run down the Lady O'Flynn and actually rope her like a fucking steer and drag her off her horse. You notice how she's not agitated and there's nothing wrong until they stop her from riding, which is clearly the only thing she loved in her life. Yep and want to continue doing in her death. Chuck tries to talk with and reason with her, and it seems almost like he gets through and she recognizes him, and maybe there actually wasn't romance, not just some kind of weird, unrequited love that he's stalking her and playing in your eyes outside of her window at night. Jesus. I'm just saying. Way to call Cusack out like that. Chuck tries to talk and reason with her, and it seems almost like he gets through, but she zeds out on him and goes all puss fuck crazy and tries to bite him. So as we were mentioning earlier, it seems like they actually did have some sort of a relationship yeah. and maybe he wasn't as stalkery as we were thinking earlier. He was. Well, yeah, he totally was because, you know, all men are stalkers. That's yes. what they do. They cut from this too. Sarge is having bad visions from his blood loss and sees the Lady O'Flynn as a Zed telling him he is dreaming. She tells him to wake up and when he does, turns out they are twins, which is not poor writing in any way, shape, or form. Twins, Basil. Twins. Too bad that one of them is not still alive because then that would be the ultimate dream uh, uh, oh see i thought the ultimate dream would be for you to have one dead and one alive i mean you remove the teeth from them sure which one both oh referred to as the two janes these twins and they were not capable of being told apart before jane died and now that jane is dead i mean you still can't tell them apart it's just one looks a little bit more haggard than the other one pretty much and i'm getting way off board with my punchy crazy really <laughs> fucked up dialogue so that leads to our next clip and where is he now, my father? He took off a while ago. To do what? Ran up some moral flints. Lord, save us. I have the Cisco and Tomboy. Don't know. I, mean, I haven't seen him since. My father is a liar. Maybe not a liar. My father sees the world one way only, and so does Seamus Muldoon. Both of them about as spiteful a pair of fools as the Lord ever made. Well, I'm siding with your old man. Why? No more reasons. You got one, too. What reason? He's your father. Never. He was never a proper father. And now he's back. And with you and your guns with him and he's about to start World War Three. Hello, daughter. Hello, Dad. You don't have to come with us. It's never been your fight. Let's go. Right now? Right now. Uh, we're waiting for Cisco. And Tomboy. Muldoon's got her. Can't be sure, but it's a good bet he's got that Mexican fella too. Are you sure you're okay to do this? Been worse and done more, kid. Let's go. Dad! She is really a babe, huh? You're too young, I'm too old. She's got issues, kid. We'll see. Dad, please! Go back, Janet! You can't kill him! He's the only reason why you're still alive! What? I'll catch up with it, James! I always wondered why he didn't shoot me that night when you had the chance. It was you. You talked about it. And for what? Now you're going to die anyway, and so is he. Seamus Muldoon is spit on the floor that needs to be mopped up. I mopped your spit off the floor a hundred times. And I dug the furrows, and I chopped the wood, and I, I buried your wife when you were nowhere to be seen. And all the while, it was Jane. Always Jane was the one that was in your heart. She and you were the only children in the house, and me, the only grown-up. Listen to yourself. You're as stubborn and willful as I am. Of course I loved Jane, but I loved you just as much, or more, because you were another me. Back to the house, Janet. I'll see you there later, or not. What are we stopping here for? Let's cross the bridge. I got a feeling. 
We should be crossing the old pussy foot somewhere else. You're gonna cross right here, Patrick! Get out of here, kid. Go back to the boat, take the money out of the safe, and go live. Look where this? Now get out of here! Don't be shooting them, boys! They get shot, they drop their poles, and she's me! I'll pop the deadheads, then we can pop the rest of them. Yeah, and Muldoon pops your friend. No, I owe something to that girl. Lay down your guns, boys. You're lucky I'm me. Come across the bridge, all of you. Leave your guns behind. All right, I just need to talk about the last sequence that we were just uh, hearing there in the clip. The discussion between Janet and O'Flynn, or Patrick, whatever you want to call him. It's Patrick O'Flynn, but he's only really credited as O'Flynn, usually. Yeah. Because that's what everybody refers to him as. That discussion that the two of them have is actually really well acted, and a lot of it is due to Kathleen Monroe, that particular actress. Yeah. She's really good in that scene. Yeah, she's really good. And for like a brief moment, you forget about all the other wacky, zany stupid stuff that was happening in the movie that like would probably piss a lot of people off yeah and this legitimate like father daughter discussion about how you never loved me you were never around i had to take care of things while you and my sister were children and all of that like that was really quite moving and i actually was like a brief moment where you're getting to see like george like kind of in his, his prime again like he's yeah. doing it well yeah and it's kind of like a little uneven but there's more moments like this for me personally in this film than there were in diary okay and i feel like he was able to hire the right actors this time around where that didn't work out for him at Diary. Yeah. I don't know how much more of a budget he had in this one compared to Diary and maybe that has something to do with it but again we, we talked about it when we were talking about Tony Todd's performance. The right tools are in the right place here for this kind of stuff. Yeah. But I don't think you can blame anybody else for the weird zany shit that's happening in the film but George because he wanted to have a little fun with this one. Mm-hmm. I think he's just had such a miserable experience on some of the other films that he was making or projects he was working on that he literally just wanted to have fun with this one. It's just trying to have some fun. And that's it. So whatever you want to say about it. Uh, I also want to point out the two actors that were in that scene that I was really kind of going on and on about. Kenneth Walsh and Kathleen Monroe. They both end up in a really interesting film called The Void. Uh, it's kind of divisive. Uh, a lot of people didn't like it. A lot of people really fucking loved it. But they are good in that film as well. And I really like The Void. I dug it a lot. It's very I Lovecraftian. It. I believe it was on Netflix. I don't know if it still is or it isn't. But if you search for it, it's called The Void. It was just recently released, and it reminds me a lot of like uh, sort of like a mixed bag of Carpenter's greatest hits. Whenever he does Lovecraftian stuff, okay. So, and you would probably really dig it. I think it would be right up your alley. Cool. All right, so we see that O'Flynn at least realizes he owes Tomboy a debt because we heard it at the end of the clip. He even gives her the line that she said, "Where well, you're lucky, it's me." So, yeah, more of that callback kind of stuff. Yeah, the men all lay down their arms and surrender to Muldoon as they are all taken to the Muldoon compound where Tomboy updates the fantasy idea of heaven and Cisco being in it. Oh, that's right. She shot Cisco and he thought he was going to go to heaven because, you know, fantasy. Holy Jesus. <laughs> man, I'm really fucking brutal in these notes. Yeah, you're fucking brutal tonight, man. Well, I get angry when I'm punchy. Yeah, Matt Bot makes you do the notes. Jesus. <laughs> So she's telling Sarge about the fact that Cisco is now dead, but basically by telling him that he's in heaven. Why didn't I just note it like that? Jesus. I don't know. It's also revealed that Muldoon is going to try to feed the horse to the Lady O'Flynn Zed, because if the people don't teach these Zeds to eat anything else and save them all, then they're all going to fucking die at the hands of the Zeds. Yeah, that's kind of right. They also let out all of the Zeds out of the stable, and they put them in their own version of a pus fuck corral, because apparently Muldoon's mind thinks 
thinks that if they see her eat something else, they will also eat something else. Yeah. I mean, he's basically like a low-tech idiot Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs> you know? Like an idiot savant. Kind of. Up. Like, he's, he's in the right place as far as Dr. Frankenstein is concerned, but he's going about it wrong where he's doing, the, like, the definition of insanity where he's repeating the same behavior over and over again and expecting a different result. Yeah. Basically. Basically. It wasn't until he actually grabs the Lady O'Flynn that he's tried to vary his experimentation with different variables. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so Madun says that if O'Flynn admits he was right all along once his pus-fuck daughter takes a bite out of the horse, and if he does so, he will let them all go free. So basically, this whole thing comes down to a dick-measuring contest or a fucking, like, rooster-fucking contest of who's the bigger, better man. O'Flynn refuses to admit that he was wrong, and Muldoon refuses to admit that he could have possibly been wrong about the decisions that he made. So they keep going around and round and round and all of these people's lives are in the balance because two men just can't compromise. Mm-hmm. We've seen this before. In like all throughout history. Well, forever. In the series as well, this is a Day of the Dead kind of moment. Oh uh, yeah. And I hate to say this, but in this case O'Flynn is kind of Rhodes, but just a little less of an asshole about it. Where he's like, what else should we do but just blow the fuck out of them and just move on with our lives? Yeah. Where Muldoon's like, no, we need to train Muldoon them to Muldoon is eat. like Dr. Frankenstein. Right. It's kind of a repeat of that, but it's not as, again, this is just my opinion, but it's not as ham-handed as the repeat stuff that they took out and put into Diary. This feels like he changed it up a little bit. Yes, it's a Hatfields-McCoy thing, I get that, but at least they did that and their opposing positions still kind of match up with the mythos of Romero's previous films, which is why I like this slightly more. Okay. O'Flynn states that he... I have never been that fucking diplomatic in my life. No, never. O'Flynn states that he hasn't killed Muldoon, so he has unfinished business. Muldoon takes a seat and they cut to the living twin is strolling through the forest and is startled by the kid who asks her what she would do with one million dollars I have a hard time believing that this fucking slippery kid would like Sarge that much that he wants to protect him no but he does want to look good in front of the girl who he's attracted to yes because you're probably not going to find a more attractive living girl in the zombie apocalypse not in this zip code mm, leastways not a girl that's willing to do stuff for you for a million dollars that are useless now. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Cut to the Muldoon compound and the living twin Janet states that her sister would never bite her horse and hands an M16 to Sarge saying she brought it up from where they left it. Chuck notices her and she stands up saying they all have guns now and there is now going to be a shitload of blood. Oh, fuck it. I don't want to describe it. She says it. That is my final clip. I brought them back their guns. Well, did you know? Now you all have guns. First one to pull a trigger is gonna cause a whole lot of bleeding. Likely so. Let him go. No, I won't go. Seems like your daddy's bound and determined to stick it to me, just like I'm bound and determined to stick it to him. Oh, you won't be sticking it to anybody. Now when we're through with you. Hey, all you guys got are a bunch of rusty old pea shooters. Well, we got this. Fuck. Well, Mr. Muldoon, Looks like someone else is hiring. Chuck, Chuck, where the hell are you going? Nobody walks out on me! Like she wants something. Me. She knows me. Jane. You you fucking bitch! I've been bit, huh? This is all you're doing, Muldoon. Cover, you stupid fuck! Go, 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 go!
Jane walks towards her sister and they share a moment, but Jane bites her sister with her first opportunity on the hand, which causes her living sister to recoil in horror and pain. She calls her a bitch, fires twice, which we heard. This sends the horses reeling and a huge fucking firefight starts up as the pus fuck corral is opened up by Chuck with a single shot. As he tries to pull a Miguel on Muldoon, again, little day of the dead time here, Jane walks off to her horse as Chuck is devoured and the pus fucks siege the Muldoon compound and begin a hell of a feeding frenzy. Wow. Yeah. This is nuts. You can tell where all the money went on this film because it's almost all of it is practical. Yes. We see various Muldoon goons getting devoured, scalped and devoured and just ripped to shreds or just plain shot dead as there's just gunfire going everywhere by everybody as some men defend themselves from the zombies and try to fight it out. This is the best stuff in this flick. This entire sequence once they get to the final showdown in the compound this is like Romero back to where he should have been. Yes, the end is fun in this movie. Yeah, it's really pretty well done. I mean for given the age and the time frame that he did it in the lower budget, this stuff feels like the movie that he was intending to make the way that it should have been made. Yeah. And it feels like older Romero and it actually has some moments that are quite good. Granted, there's a bunch of horse shit right at the beginning that's silly and cartoonish, but I didn't mind it that much. Yeah. But it's when it gets to this sequence, this stuff that's actually dealing with the Zeds that it feels more like Romero again. O'Flynn uses a Zed as a zombie shield, which is really fucking cool the way that they do that and he hides behind her. I dug that. Yeah, that was actually really cool. And he makes it towards Muldoon as a last fight with one bullet each. They both have just one bullet, and they are going to kill the fuck out of each other. Or as Muldoon put it, he wants to stick it to me, and I want to stick it to him, which is very homoerotic. Yeah, those two just need to fuck already and get it over with. They're trying to kill the fuck out of each other, and or fuck each other, but this time they're talked down by O'Flynn's daughter. O'Flynn is actually talked down by his daughter. He turns around and is shot in the back. When Muldoon goes to check on him, O'Flynn uses that small sleeve gun that's been set up several times to shoot Muldoon dead as well. No headshots, straight to the heart because they're bitter, hateful fucks and they want to make the other one suffer. Mm-hmm. And also, there's a ton of men that have gotten shot here and or gotten bitten, but there's no headshots for them, so there's a bunch of dead people laying around waiting to get up again. Just then, we see Jane turn around and take a giant bite out of her horse and choose it while facing at her sister almost in a threatening manner yeah almost like to prove that i'm better than you or some shit i don't know what it was trying to be other than it's gross to watch a woman on a hairy hide of a horse with raw blood on it are you sure yes on the the list of things that i'm not into that is at the top wow yeah look at that yeah we found it hair eating just doesn't do it for me we did it folks we found it Not the sort of bloody hair pie I'm into. Does anybody else feel really beaten up right now? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, all right. All right, so her sister then states she did it, she did it a couple of times, and then runs off to die, I guess? I don't know. We don't know just yet. O'Flynn gets up with one shot left, and Bitten's sister tries to tell Sarge and crew about it, but is interrupted by her father shooting out her fucking eye and killing her before the rest of them know that, yes, the Zeds can be taught to feed on something else, and saying he was told he wasn't strict enough or something along those lines, and 
that he knows for sure that he can kill his own because she was asking him that at the beginning of the movie, I suppose. Yeah. But we didn't bring that back to where we would recognize it if we weren't watching and or taking notes. And that he is right as rain. He knows what's going on. Tomboy, Sarge, and the kid find a boat. They hint at the shit in Land of the Dead by saying something like maybe we'll end up pointing guns at each other or something like that. And there is once again a shitty voiceover stating Muldoon might have been right and they will never know even though we saw for sure and it was shot before we were able to be told because one man is intolerant, zero tolerance, blah blah blah. And that they saw him as the enemy right off the bat because they fell in with O'Flynn. They cut from this to a horse being eaten by the Zeds which was really hard to watch because you know horses aren't people and I don't like to watch animals get mutilated. Yeah right. And that was also very realistic and quite gross. Yeah. Then we have more shitty voiceover. Wonder how I feel about that. <laughs> about wars and flags and territory and something or other as the Zed Muldoon and the Zed O'Flynn walk to the top of the hill which may be the highest hill silhouetted by the moonlight shooting at each other without any bullets in their guns and we roll credits. Okay, I do have many complaints that we were trying to talking about when we we're pointing out certain things. The first time around when I watched this, I hated all the zaniness to it. I couldn't get beyond that. But then again, I also dislike a lot of the zaniness stuff that you love in Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. It kind of not necessarily ruins the film for me, but it takes away the bleakness that I want to feel in these kind of movies. It takes you out of that headspace. But the thing that I like about the way that he did that here is we have wackiness, we have zaniness, and we have fun at the start of the film. And by the time they get to the island, that gets stripped away piece by piece people start dying and then it slowly morphs into a Romero film that you can kind of get behind yeah I think a lot of people are going to have an issue with the Hatfields McCoys feud and there's a lot of stuff that doesn't quite make sense about that and the really bad accents the accents are hard to get past I will admit that absolutely but when I watched it this time around I noticed that it didn't bug me because I wanted to actually pay attention and try and find what's going on with the story and I seriously dude was not expecting to like this movie this time around because you, you can attest to it. I was talking shit about it like for as long as since be right before we started this since the first time that I even saw the movie I've been fucking hating on it for, for, for no reason because I never gave it a second chance after the first initial hate for the last six months all you've been trying to plan is how to make me do the entirety of survival and diary for the notes so <laughs> anyway just so I didn't have to yep. do it I even wanted to just like have you do it and then me not even be in the room I was trying to yeah, figure like out a way to, to make you not even watch it and have to do anything with it yeah I didn't even want to have to watch it at yeah. some point but I actually really really dig like the back two-thirds of this film. Okay. Once they get to the island and move on, and once I got over the accents, because, I mean, the main character who plays O'Flynn has got the worst Irish accent. Yeah. The other actors, I think, actually do a relatively good job. Um, But once they actually, and, like, the very, like, I would say that you would even say the back third of this film, like, once they get to that compound and that final showdown. Yeah, that final showdown was cool. That was cool. Yeah, they're, 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 it's not that this movie's totally just, oh, man, this sucks. There are good parts of it, of yeah. course. And, yeah, I like the, uh, uh, the, the, of course, the very end's the best. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Now, the reason I'm able to kind of do this is because, like I said, I'm looking at this not as a George Romero film. I'm looking at it as somebody that just made a zombie movie, and I'm watching a zombie movie for review. Yeah. That's how I was able to distance myself from the reaction that I had to it. Mm-hmm. Now, if I try to put this, is this up to par with any of the other ones? No. Is this yeah. still a bummer? Not as bad as it used to be for me, because this feels like a slight uptick sort of redemption compared to my disdain for 
the stuff that was happening in land and how it got manipulated and kind of changed around and forced to be this slick thing that's not George. Yeah. My dislike of a man who's completely out of touch on how to do the things he's trying to do with Diary, mm. which really hurts me and is really hard to watch. And I probably will never watch again unless I have to <laughs> for whatever reason. And I will watch Diary all the time, which is totally fine. I may even sell you my Blu-ray if you actually had a Blu-ray player. Because <laughs> I did. I bought Blu-rays for both of them for this show. Yeah. I did because I wanted to give them the best possible chance that I that I, I could. I believe my Xbox One plays Blu-ray. Well, there you go. Maybe I'll sell you my Diary. <laughs> but I'm going to keep Survival and I will probably watch it again. Yeah. It will probably be a while before I do and I will probably skip ahead to them just getting to the island because I enjoy it once we get there. All right. Because that's kind of the best yeah. part of this film. So that's what I would say is if you're going to give it a shot again like and you want to actually try it because we've given you an idea of what what what's good or bad in it start there maybe like kind of fast forward through the parts you dislike and kind of give the island a shot and then just try and ignore the fact that this was a george romero film and see if you still enjoy it as just a movie if not cool it's not for everybody yeah but it worked for me so much better than diary did just because diary felt really out of touch and just weird this just formulated in my head now talking about the movie and kind of seeing some of the things i believe that george actually had something to say with this movie that may not have been there in my mind previously and I believe that this film is about America policing the world because if you think about it there are people in soldier uniforms that get roped into a conflict by a trickster between two sparring powers on a piece of land outside of the main continent even though it's Plum Island on Delaware it's a place that these these soldiers would not have gone and have no purpose being there other than to get involved with the conflict that they get suckered into. And it's all predicated on falsehoods by O'Flynn. One other thing I would say is that this is a strong movie about um, uh, kind of something we still face to this day, xenophobia. Nativism. Nativism. Not not necessarily nationalism because they would all be Americans. Nativism to to this. uh, Isolationism. Muldoon's whole thing is that... Which is, uh, nationalism is done on a grand scale of the entire country Mm -hmm. of those things of nativism and, and, uh, isolationism for it's all about us. Yeah. Which is horrible. It's a bad choice to make in humanity because this is the end result. This is what's going to happen. You're going to have a bunch of inbred fucks shooting each other on top of a hill in their zombie state. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So there's there's more to this for me to chew behind the scenes. We're comparing and contrasting them now because we're doing them back to back, obviously. Yeah. But um, I don't know. Just It's really weird that we divided the way that we did because yeah. I was totally expecting when I watched, when I sat down to watch Survival after watching uh, Diary to just fucking hate it and just say savage the shit out of it yeah like i literally was like all right let's go this fucking piece of shit you know like <laughs> i was like like yeah you know like let's yeah. get the popcorn and watch this piece of shit i'm gonna rage watch you right and the next thing i know i'm fucking laughing at shit and i'm like why am i fucking laughing at this yeah why do i think it's funny that this fisherman fucked himself over like this why <laughs> am i laughing and then i'm like holy shit those zombies under the water that's fucking terrifying yeah and then by the time they get to the island like my defenses got kind of worn down a little bit and i'm like jesus fucking christ am i liking this movie why am i liking this movie yeah so i mean i guess it kind of works out that i ended up finishing it up (laughs) yeah right (laughs) especially since i got to talk about all the best parts of the movie there you go so you still got cheated kind of no i'm fine (laughs) (laughs) all right well we've been overly long on both of these episodes uh that we did back to back here and this is going to close out a romero full franchise fest Woo! 
with this film. Now, we are still not completely done with year four. There are still technically two episodes to give us the full 52 weeks of our year. Oh, shit. If you do the math, 52 times four is... I'd rather not. Let's see here. I have this wonderful thing here. Called a calculator on yeah. your phone? 52 what? Times four. Times four? It's 208. 208. 208. I knew it ended in 08. Of course yeah, it's yeah. 208 because we're already past 200. Man, yeah. I'm fucking tired. Yeah. You sure you want same. me to drive you home? Yeah. I kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so it's 208. We did yeah. the math. All right. 208 is going to close out year four and then we'll be into year five. So we have two episodes left. Matt and I have talked about this behind the scenes and I'm just going to announce it. Now, the next two movies are going to be picks of my favorite film and Matt's favorite film. Uh oh. We're doing Matt's favorite film first. Yes. He still hasn't fucking decided what it is, folks. I had to put a deadline on him to force. Because he's changed it like five times in the last I've got ten a lot minutes. Of, I have a lot of movies that I enjoy. <laughs> but it's going to be Matt's pick and Matt doing the notes for his pick. And then we're going to do my pick and then my notes for the pick for my favorite movie. And my favorite movie will close out year four because me. Yeah. Me, 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 me. Yeah. Court runs barter town. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> That'll close out year four. And then after that, we will have year five, new theme music, all that new shit. Yes. Yay. Woo! All right. We're going to take a little break here. We're going to play an article that Jamie Sammons actually wrote on Day of the Dead. Nice. Which actually covers a lot of stuff growing up in the 80s and what that film represents. And when we come back, we will have the ending Legion promo. Some music befitting of Survival of the Dead. Dun, dun, dun. And when we come back, we will close out this overlong fucking show. This is called A Memoir of Fear as Remembered by a Child of the Cold War. Day of the Dead opened to a limited release and lukewarm reviews in the summer of 1985, but has since gained recognition as one of the better Romero films. Romero himself has stated that it was his favorite of the original trilogy. While the version we are all familiar with is not the epic tale he conceived, its budget was cut in half, it still leaves a mark. For fans having witnessed the likes of Dawn of the Dead just a few years before, day seemed much darker in tone. But of course it was darker. These were darker times after all. The living dead had all but completely populated the planet, reducing the remaining survivors to living underground, at least those we know. This film is also a direct reflection of the political upheavals taking place in the mid-80s in the midst of nuclear threats and a fear of the end as we teetered on the edge of self-destruction. Children of the Cold War were introduced to many phrases over the years that would become staples of our vocabulary as well as our nightmares. Terms such as nuclear winter, duck and cover for those old enough to remember those drills, fallout shelter, and radiation sickness were woven into the fabric of our everyday lives. I was only a child of 11 when I first saw Day of the Dead in the theater. It would seem that one so young could not possibly grasp the implications set forth by such a film. To a child, the zombies should have been the scariest part, but they were not. By the time 1985 rolled around, I was already terrified that the bomb would land in my backyard at any moment. Television movies like The Day After from 1983, books like After the Bomb, though that was later in 1987, and the news all contributed to the mounting fear that the so Soviet Union would launch a nuclear attack, and of course we would launch one in return. The consensus was that if either of the leaders made the call, it would be the end of life as we knew it. We would either die a fiery death at the initial drop or be forced to seek shelter and pray that we were able to avoid the monstrosities of fallout and nuclear winter. But hope in that case did not abound. 
at least in my eyes. The world I knew would be gone in a flash. Television and film had already warned me of what I could expect if that day ever came. It was not unusual for me to huddle under my bedclothes with only my eyes uncovered to stare into the night sky from the relative safety of my bedroom. I was watching for the bomb. I was waiting to see it break the atmosphere as it hurtled to Earth with complete destruction being its only goal. I would cry myself to sleep in terror of the fate that everyone around me said was coming. I would pray that if the bomb did come, it would land directly on my head. My worst fear was that I would be a survivor, left to deal with the horrors of the aftermath as society attempted to piece itself back together, or at the very least, keep itself from falling apart. The adults around me never knew how I felt. I never let them in on the fact that their discussions were so traumatic to my increasingly imaginative mind. They would only dismiss my concerns and tell me not to worry as adults have the habit of doing. The release of Day of the Dead personified my anxiety. The advancing hordes of the walking dead were representative of the looming dangers that surrounded us. The newspaper headline, The Dead Walk, may as well have read, The Bombs Dropped. Once again, I was reduced to listening in the dark for sounds of doom. I listened because I was afraid to watch. I did not want to witness the ghouls on the hunt. This time, the sounds were moans, helicopter blades, and gunfire in the distance. I would sleep with the radio on in case of a bulletin. The cold, institutional bunker was precisely how I pictured living after such an event. That is, assuming I were among the few that survived. The scientists, military, and smattering of civilians wrapped in conflict were what I imagined we would be. And to my mind, the worst of it all would not be the bomb itself, but dealing with each other when the dust cleared. For even at such a tender age, I already had my doubts about humans as a species. I had seen too many examples of how we treat one another, and how we usually err in favor of ourselves over those who might need our help. Now Day of the Dead offered a visual example of us tearing each other apart in vivid color. Now that the Cold War is over and those fears seem so distant, it's difficult to try and regain those feelings. It's not so easy to take myself back to those terrifying moments spent staring out my window in search of my coming death. It almost seems ludicrous now that so many years of my childhood were spent crouching in the dark, afraid of something I could not control. Even with the activity of recent years, I have never felt so alone and conquered by fear as I did all those years ago. I said it was difficult to bring back those feelings, but not impossible. They still ring true whenever I view Day of the Dead. With every frame, I am reminded of exactly why the zombie apocalypse is perhaps the most frightening scenario imaginable. In such a case, we're the monsters from every angle. The zombie, we, feeds off the living, and the remaining we feeds off our comrades. Just as during those old threats of nuclear war, whether you're taken down with the initial attack or survive, you'll be forced into constant battle with those you once called neighbors. Adulthood gives us the luxury of seeing threats for what they are. As we grow older, we come to understand the meaning of words such as sensationalism, irrational, and unlikely. If I had possessed an adult brain at the time, perhaps I could have worked out for myself that the dropping of such a destructive tool would likely not be taken as lightly as I was led to believe. Though the threat was real, as palpable as any other, surely they all knew that once one launched an attack, the domino effect would come into play. A ploy such as that would only be suicide. And now, as I watch the world today, I have a completely different view of those menaces. I decided long ago that I would never again live in fear of something that I cannot control. What remains is the hope that we have learned something, anything, from all those decades of apprehension. For if we have not, then woe to us as a species. And in the meantime, Romero is the author of my personal survival guide. From him, I have learned a valuable lesson. The only thing that will save us in our darkest hour is the willingness to cooperate when the threads holding us together are bare. Compassion, charity, humanity, and heart, these will be our saving graces. Quote Shaun of the Dead, who quoted Bertrand Russell, the only thing that will redeem mankind is cooperation. 
If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcasts, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Mean Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Metal Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shade Cast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found. By both sides, by magazine, I do believe. And if I got that wrong, I'll come back and fix it. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> I'm too punchy to even care. Yes. And, and I've got so many editing weird bubs that I'm going to have to fix, so I'm going to be even delirious in the editing room when I fix both of these episodes. Ugh. We recorded everything so out of order and so mixed up and so fucked up. <laughs> but you know what isn't fucked up, folks? What's that? Our Legion Podcast Network, our glorious home that we would love to champion forevermore. And where do you find us on Legion Podcast Network, Matt? Uh, on the website. What is that website? Uh, LegionPodcast.com, right? Yeah, and then? Cinema PsyOps. Forward slash forward slash Cinema Dash PsyOps. Cinema Dash PsyOps. Dash. You gotta have the dash in there. Gotta do it more like WNBC. WNBC. NBC Cinema Dash PsyOps. You can also join our Facebook group, Cinema PsyOps. See, in my mind, I think I'm saying it the way you're saying it. Cinema PsyOps. 
our Facebook group, Cinema PsyOps, where you can post alternative photography, your opinions, various PsyOp news, which I swear we will get back to soon enough as we can cover movies that we don't talk about for three hours. Yeah. <laughs> that gets edited down to yeah, two. Right. Or we don't have quiddle debates in the food court constantly where I'm making more references to Kevin Smith movies while I'm tired. <laughs> you can also find me on Facebook. I am Court PsyOps, I think. I can't even remember who I am anymore. Who are you? Uh, The guy with eight lawyers. Oh, my God. I thought you at least had nine. You can also find Matt on Facebook. He is Matt Psyop because he can't do the Ramones thing and get his name right. Yes. And a Psyop. And a Psyop. Matt Psyop. You can also email feedback to Matt Matt at gmail.com. You can also email feedback to court cinema court at gmail.com. You can also tweet a couple of tweets to a couple of twats on the hate-filled shit fest that is Twitter. I am at court underscore psyop. <laughs> and he is at psyop Matt. Psyop. We're also available on Instagram. <laughs> do we have to do it to Instagram too? I guess. I if you're going to do it, you might as well do Instagram. it to Instagram. Instagram. It's Instagram. That's cinema underscore psyops. <laughs> On Instagram. I don't have anything clever or, you know, fun or anything like that because I'm too exhausted. So I'm just going to come back around to all of you wonderful people. Thank you so much for listening to this show. We've been here for 206 weeks straight. Yes. And I know some of you out there have been there with us the entire time. That's what I call fucking endurance. Mm -hmm. Dedication. And if you know what you need to make sure that you can kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch? What's that? That kind of endurance and that kind of dedication. The defecation? Yes. So while you're out there <laughs> kicking the fuck out of this week and defecating on it, kick the fuck out of this week and defecate on it. Some dreams ain't real. second one is saying that it's okay to say that my third said that. So you have at least three. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's, that's that's right, motherfucker. I did the math. <laughs> I didn't know you knew math. <laughs> I know, right? Me neither. Never met him before, but he seems like a nice guy. Did I only have a second and a third, so maybe I only have two that you know of. No, that would still just be one and two. No, because, oh, because my first be lawyer, it. yeah, the first one I hired is fired. Ooh. The second one I hired is still on, but I hired a third one. This is one of them riddles, huh? <laughs> Possibly. Mm, I think the wife did it. <laughs> uh, in this case, that's the defense that my fourth lawyer is suggesting that I go with. So you do have at least three lawyers. Shit. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> I'm fucking hammered.
Tommy Boy offers to sew up Sarge's bullet wound, mostly because it's the closest thing to a vagina she's been by in months. I mean, it is uh, it is an opening on a body. Then it's bleeding. Yeah. Ooh, oh, misogyny. Oh, 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 oh. It's alive and well. The patriarchy. <laughs> patriarchy is alive and well inside this podcast studio. <laughs> no, it was just a gross joke to make because, you know, menstruation makes most men uncomfortable. I mean, blood play, probably, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know. Is that a thing? It's a thing. Yeah. Blood play. You're the one who taught me that word. (laughs) Is it like hemophilia or something like that? Well, hemophiliac is somebody who can't blood smoke clot. Eh, Whatever. I I can't remember. Hedema. We looked it up. It was like ages ago. It was like three and a half fucking years of podcasting ago. Which is like like twice as long in like normal years. Yeah, I mean, that's like... Podcasting years are like dog years. We're talking about like dog years over here. Tomboy offers to sew up Sarge's wound. No symbolism there. Yeah, nothing there. <laughs> At all. I'm just going to keep making that joke till it, it works. Yeah, right. It's always going to work. Sarge is finally having to admit his soldier eh. I did it. I, I said shoulder. Yeah, shoulder you did it. Soldier. Look at you. Look at me. The soldier <laughs> has to finally admit that his shoulder is fucked. You, you finally fucked up. <laughs> That's going to be a great outtake. People are going to love that. Did say postmortem photography, but they're also known as memento mori's. You've seen them kind of put out that way as well. And there's like entire film plot lines based around stuff like that. I'm looking at you haunting in Connecticut, <laughs> which was actually that part of the film was actually kind of cool. The rest of it just fucking sucked. Yeah, I'm even taking pot shots at other films to try and defend <laughs> no, man, this one. You were just fucking mad. Just anything I could do to anything. defend the fact that I actually enjoyed it this time around. What the <laughs> fuck is wrong with me? I've been hanging out with Jamie Jammons too much. She'll get that. Nobody else will. Okay. <laughs> God damn, I can't stop dropping names on dead this are, table. Like Jesus crazy. Christ, what are you doing over there? What a sick bastard. Right, that was wrong. He should not feel that way. Why, why'd you say it like that? No, I'm agreeing with you. But you put on like a lot of emphasis on a lot of different stuff. Right. Yeah, it's wrong. Uh, okay. All, All right, right, good. No, you're right. All right, good. It's totally wrong. But you see, you just did it again. It's this tone thing again, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, this tone is very facetiously. Like, you don't think it's wrong. Why would I think that putting women in their place was not wrong? Wait, you just said putting them in their place. Yeah, but that's supposed to be wrong. I mean, that is wrong. I don't know. Oh, man. I'm starting to get a lot uncomfortable here sitting next to you. Well, maybe I should put you in your place. <laughs> no. Listen, this is all I'm thinking. Like, there's a large nuclear-grade bomb here, and I should be sitting right next to it. Fair enough. Although, in this day and age, these fucking kind of jokes are even feeling wrong for me to do. I know. So even in death, she is stuck being subservient to this fucking asshat. Do those notes after my jokes make you feel better? Yes. All right. They cut from this to Muldoon's Muldoon's goons. Way to put two fucking words you can't pronounce next to each other, dick. And she recognizes him, and maybe there actually wasn't romance, not just some kind of weird, unrequited love that he's stalking her and playing in your eyes outside of her window at night. Jesus. I'm just saying. Way to call Cusack out like that. I actually really like that movie, too. It's so hard to watch now. Why? God, because he's a fucking stalker, and he's doing a bunch of inappropriate shit. That's true. But they ended up together, so yay. Well, it teaches young men that if you just stalk them long enough, they'll become your wife. And you better hope that, like... Which is true in my case. Same. Uh... <laughs> My case is just knock them up. <laughs> Once you trick them into sleeping with you, just make sure they're trapped. Yeah, yeah just trap them in. Uh-huh. What are you going to do, raise that kid on your own? <laughs> I mean, yes, with your child support. Yeah. But luckily for you, she made the choice to put up with you. I know. I don't think she thought about the child support thing. Although I get a look every now and then where I think, I think she's thinking about it. 
I should introduce her to my fifth lawyer. <laughs> so now you have at least four lawyers. God damn it. <laughs> we should make that an ongoing thing. <laughs> so wait, wait, wait. We're at four right now. <laughs> hey, I'm completely innocent of all charges. I just need four lawyers to prove it. Okay. So you have only four. <laughs> or that's, you only use four to prove your innocence. At any given point in time. I only have four. You only have four. At any given point. At any given point. May not all be the same every time, but you always have four. I mean, I don't listen to all of them, and some of them quit. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Lawyers shouldn't quit. <laughs> well, that's what I tell them. I mean, I'm paying them, sort of. What are you paying them? Uh, never mind. Oh, God. <laughs> I've been advised by my newest lawyer not to tell you how I'm paying my other lawyers. You have at least six lawyers, don't you? <laughs> I don't know anymore. <laughs> I lost count at eight. <laughs> So you have at least eight lawyers? I guess. And if you lost count at eight, you have at least nine lawyers. It's just such a dumb joke. <laughs> I'm so fucking punchy. I don't even know where I was in my nose. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Three, two, Necrophilia can be overlooked.